Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, two-time defending ATV motocross national champion, Cody Jensen. Am I on air? What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and welcome to episode 59 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, our Redbud Review Pod, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase at shop.csttires.com. Redbud was another wild one this past weekend, and we'll cover all the craziness in the episode ahead. Casey Greek will join us to help break down all the action, and then we'll be joined by two guys that were part of the biggest headlines from Redbud Weekend. Max Lindquist, the 17-year-old rookie who grabbed his first career pro class podium with a third overall at Redbud will stop by first, and then later on, another 17-year-old, Dane Molander, who came out of nowhere to win pro sport, will drop in as well. And man, You'd be hard-pressed to find two better young men than these two, so you're really going to enjoy this one. Major thanks to our sponsors, who are all on board with us tonight. CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Their Clippers Rock, their nose hair trimmer is amazing, and they have brand new industry-leading products that just hit the market as well. Full disclosure, I've been saying it for multiple episodes now. The new Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped is my secret to keeping a perfect beard. This new electric trimmer is so nice that, full disclosure, I've only been using it for my facial hair. But don't tell anybody. Shh. So check out Manscaped. I wish I would have sooner. Get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all these great companies that support us, and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. By accessing Rocky Mountain from our specific link, we get a percentage of that, and we both know you need parts and gear. So this is the easiest way to help us out. Just use our link instead of the standard Rocky Mountain link. That's it. That's all we ask. No matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. So before you buy, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out in a major way, and we cannot thank you enough for that. We've been shouting out our donors on recent episodes, and I have to give a major shout out to Dale Yammer this week for his support of our efforts. Dale, you're the freaking man. Cheers, mate. Speaking to you guys that have donated, it means so damn much to me because it shows you guys appreciate all the hard work we're putting into this thing in an attempt to help the sport that we love. It truly means so much to us. It really does help. So from the bottom of our hearts, thanks so much. You can find the Patreon and buy me a coffee donation links on our website for anyone else who is interested thanks so much guys now the 30 second board is up it's sideways and the gate is down time to dig deep let's go
All right, guys, not only did this man accurately predict Max Linquist's podium at Redbud, kind of, but he also finished sixth in Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy last weekend. Brought to you by our friends at Rocky Mountain ATVMC, your one-stop shop for parts, gear, and everything in between to make your ride the best ride. Click the Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com today for all of your gear and parts needs and to help us out from impact solutions say hello to mr casey greek what's up casey you're riding a high right now where are you hiding that crystal ball at huh yeah for sure um yeah sort of predicted it correctly and um i was getting the pressure from the entire linquist crew like hey you jinxed us you know blah blah blah. but no happy to see max pull that off and um you know at least do it in the in the matter of i was somewhat in that area of being correct on that and we all kind of knew that it would probably happen at Redbud, so I was trying to predict that it would happen before. But yeah, no, and then um, my best finish ever in um, any fantasy league that I've ever played. So pretty excited about that. Um, just one more guy in the right direction, and I think I could have won this weekend. So happy to go on that level right now. Yeah, so Redbud, as far as fantasy goes, was a was a crazy one. There was results all over the place. There was carnage everywhere. So uh, you know, you navigated all that really well. But uh, yeah, so so starting with the the coverage of the race here, I think everyone is is kind of swamped with this quick turnaround before Loretta's here. So we're gonna attempt to keep this as a shorter episode tonight. Can't wait to get into all the crazy uh, crazy racing and stuff that took place this weekend at Redbud. But as always, Casey, your Impact Solutions Impact Moment. We'll start with that, where we highlight something good and positive happening in ATV motocross. Yeah, and I think it's pretty easy this weekend, in a sense. Um, and we just sort of talked about it a little bit. You know, me finishing top six in Digging Deep Fantasy, I mean, that's pretty impressive. But no, um, on a real note, uh, Max Lindquist, uh, podium, but the real, the real moment for me with Max this weekend was uh, Vince Merriman crashed and was trapped under his bike qualifying, and Max stopped and helped him. And I think any one of those guys would have done it. It just happened to be that there's a lot of hype around Max, and we're going to talk about him a lot in this show. Right. And he was the first one to Vince, and he stopped his lap to help Vince get out from underneath his bike, made sure he was somewhat okay, and then took and proceeded in qualifying. So um that's impressive to me that any of these guys are willing to do that i've seen some other racing sports where guys would literally just look over and keep going Mm -hmm. um so that's pretty much it for me i didn't have any other real drastic standouts at least that i can remember at the moment so we're going to get into max obviously like you said a lot on this episode but the fact that that this kid is 17 years old and now we're not even talking about the racing just the maturity um and we see you know there's tons of great heady respectable uh name whatever word you want to use young kids in our sport right now but max linquist might be heading that charge because man he when you talk to him you'd think he was a was a you know a veteran of this thing uh such a good kid great head on his shoulders so none of that surprises me um there but i didn't know about that i didn't know about that story so i'm glad you shared it yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's just needs to be said out there with, you know, and if it was anybody and just the camaraderie that these guys have between each other and, you know, Vince had a rough go at it this weekend in qualifying. And um, so just wanting to see him, you know, heal up and get back out there and be ready for Loretta's and then just, you know, enjoying the process of watching these riders mature and grow is always, um, I think it's a blessing just to watch this stuff. I mean, I've watched these guys, I've literally known Max since he was riding 50s. 
And I want to say I've known Joel since he was riding probably 70s and 90s, but I'll just go with 90s. So to see where these guys have come and how many years that we've been involved with this, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, the talent in the sport right now is incredible. Um, there's obviously a lot of great dudes there as well, so that's awesome to hear. Uh, also, I mean, I kind of just want to take the, uh, on this opportunity here to touch on the fact on a personal level um, to note the the major impact that all of our listeners and fans are having on us here at Digging Deep this weekend, man. I'm pretty sure I talked to more people in a three-day span than any other three-day span in my life. Uh, it was all positive, all love, all embrace, and I just – I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody um, for that. I really can't thank everyone enough for that. We're the reason why, why, you know, you're them, the listeners are the reason why we do this. So uh, that was pretty special. It was crazy. It was like my, uh, it was like my, my voice or whatever was, uh, you know, more tore up than my body was from riding. It was pretty crazy. So, um, so that's it for this week's impact solutions, impact moment, Uh, taking it from the top, then Casey, um, does any track prompt more, my shocks suck comments than Redbud does? Because all I heard about was how terribly rough the track was on Friday. And I found myself thinking, what did you people expect? It's Redbud. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I, in all honesty, it wasn't a lot of like that, you know, it was more just some like weird situations where you know people had just bought some bikes and stuff and so they weren't set up for them so you're trying to set it up midday and try to help you know everyone else you can and then just kind of I say this loosely but just kind of babysitting you know a bunch of other people but the guys like I've been working with you know constantly all year I mean like Dane Molander I literally talked to him one time on Friday Mm -hmm. like after say like he'd been on the track three or four times maybe and I went and checked on him real quick because I was so busy just running around and fixing little things and trying to help people get some new bikes set up or whatever it was. And I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I haven't been over much. I'm like, all good. And he's like, don't touch a thing. My bike's perfect. You know, he's like, he, he'll he come tell me like, hey, you know, I feel a little off here. Can you help me out here or whatever it is? And so it wasn't a lot of the people that I work with constantly that I was really chasing. There's some new people and stuff like that, which was great. Um, to be able to put some time into them. So I wasn't, you know, I was spread very thin on Friday. But yeah, I mean, Red Bud's rough. And so a lot of times you just kind of have to just know. I mean, you and I talked for quite a while and you're like, yeah, I don't know. It's just rough. So I don't really even know what to tell you because <laughs> it's hard to actually pinpoint something that could be or whatever. So you throw a couple ideas out up there. Um, you know, I talked to like Neil Larson and he's just like, man, it's just so rough. And so I'm like, we'll try this and see if this makes it any better. And we'll go, we'll figure out what direction to go into. And so we worked, you know, a little bit on Friday. And then by the end of Friday, he was pretty stoked on everything. And I think, I think he had a pretty impressive weekend too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's, it's, you just have to go in with the mindset that, Hey, it's going to be rough. Uh, you just, you know, kind of got to ride through it a little bit. Um, because I'm a guy that, man, I don't, I don't change my clickers barely ever, like ever, ever. So, um, that's, I didn't come off the racetrack thinking, Oh, I got to change this or that. It was like, well, Friday is always a little rougher than any of the other days. And hopefully it's going to be a little better, uh, Saturday and Sunday, but my shocks are where they need to be. So I guess you'd go as far as to say that it was, it was, it was fun to be a shot guy at Redbud. All right. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I knew yeah, I was going to sure. Yeah, I knew I was going to get a laugh out of you there. But uh, at least the weather the weather was picture perfect, especially after what um, everybody dealt with at Unadilla. And and one guy that didn't have any issue was Chad Weenan. You kind of got to start with him. Surprise, surprise. He's been dominant at Redbud over the years. One one on the day. He passed Joel about two thirds of the way through Moto One, and then led all the laps in Moto Two. Chad padded his points lead. He's now twenty two points up on Joel with four motos remaining. This is what I want to say about Chad. We all, we all knew that Joel would take a step forward with his program this season. And he surely did on the Yamaha. There's no doubt about that. The bike's better. The program's better. All those things for Joel Hetrick. He took a step. What we didn't expect was Chad Weenan would take another step forward too. I don't know how the heck he does it, but credit to this man and to the listeners appreciate the greatness that we're witnessing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Chad always rises to the occasion. He always has. Um, once he figured it out, like after he got hurt in 2011, yeah, 11, um, when he came back in 2012, he was a different animal than he was in years prior to that. And um, being that we've been in this for so long and we've kind of got to witness this stuff and then, you know, the listeners have got to hear Chad's entire story on the show mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, just watching it and watching him grow and mature over the years and being you know friends with Chad over the years and just seeing that growth I mean he always figures out a way to step up and you know I think every year of course you know I'm kind of on the other side more involved with Joel's side of things you're just like there's no way he could step up anymore there's no way like you know you're always going to keep that in your mind to because that's what you do you know we're we're trying to be the most you know be competitive and everything but Chad I mean you got to give it to him he always figures out a way to step up and be a a champion. I mean, you know, that's why he's in that category of, you know, could be the go of ATV motocross. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. I don't know. And there's, there'll be listeners that maybe can connect with this, but when you're at an event, you're at a sporting event of some kind and you see, um, you know, like a legendary figure of that sport, whether it's motorsports, stick and ball sports, whatever. And there's just this aura that follows that individual. And that's kind of what, what Chad has. I don't know how to explain it. I see it with Joel too. I a hundred percent, but there's those guys are just so iconic in our sport. And one of these days, whether it's, you know, a year from now, five years from now, whatever it is, when, when Chad is gone, there's going to be a big, big void left, um, you know, behind. And you just kind of want everybody to appreciate him and, and what he's doing. If you look back, like what was Joel's first title year? Was that 2017? I think the crazy part that both of those guys, because when you think back then and, and Joel was so good and, you know, Chad, it just, he didn't have it. He didn't have that extra gear at the end of the year. And now to look back and think how much both of those guys have improved over the last four or five years there. It's just crazy to think like our sport is at such an awesome level. And for each of those guys, thank God for each of them, because otherwise might just be a runaway each and every weekend, right? If there was only one of them. So it's, it's cool that for basically the entirety of, of most of their careers, I know Joel wasn't there for the beginning of Chad's, but man, they've, it's, it's been a rivalry. That's been awesome for the sport, but just to think, to think how much improvement, how much better, how much 
awesome racing we've seen the way that those two have just continued to rise to the occasion of the other guy. Uh, it's just been, man, it's been so fun to watch and someday we're going to miss these battles, right? We're going to miss seeing, you know, it's going to be legend of the battles we saw between those two. Um, just kind of, it's cool to think about all the awesome racing we've seen between those two guys. When I think I feel like I'm at least for me, like almost numb to the fact of, like how good these guys are and, and I'm just around them so much. I've been around them forever. So they're just another normal person to me. Like mm -hmm. they're just friends, right. you know, and I just walk up, I walk right into their motor home. Like I don't, it's just, you know, the doors unlocked. Like, you know, they, I would expect the same thing if they could just walk right in my house. Like it wouldn't bother me one bit, mm -hmm. but I hope that the people that are coming to the races, the fans, the true people that are in this sport, are getting the feelings of that I was getting as a kid when I'd go to the, you know, go to races and see guys like Jeremy McGrath and Ricky Carmichael and all these guys. And then when I came into this sport, you know, I was a dirt bike guy before. And, you know, I kind of jumped right into this with working with one of the greatest in the sport. So you instantly almost became numb. Doug but as a kid, yeah. And as a kid being so like, involved in racing and just infatuated with it my entire life that's the reason i'm still involved is because of those feelings that i had when i was young so i hope these kids and the fans of the sport really get those you know goosebump feelings and and understand what you're witnessing with a guy like chad Wien and, and joel hetrick you know and, and the list goes on and on mm -hmm. and what we're getting ready to see you know and kind of going into our next topic pretty smoothly here is what we're going to see with bryce Ford and Max Lindquist and the rivalry that we're seeing there. I mean, to me, I feel like you're seeing a, a younger versions of the two guys that we've been sitting here talking about going on right now. You got Bryce that's just explosive fast all the time. And you got Max that's obviously very fast, but he's very calculated and very methodical about what he's doing. And that's kind of the talks that we've always had about Joel and Chad. Mm -hmm. Joel just ridiculously fast. Chad, very fast but very calculated. So, and I think that's just something, you know, as we're talking about Max and Bryce here, it's going to be a topic that we're talking about for years with these two guys. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, they're definitely the young guns coming through and they're the guys that are inserting themselves into this, this position to end up being very, very serious um, title threats yeah, and yeah. rivals throughout the years. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that that's definitely definitely on cue. That's the next rivalry up and coming. And there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to want to get in that mix as well. But uh, that could be the that could be the headliner. And just touching on that topic that you were kind of tying up there. I do think it's cool for me and I saw it this weekend, but I see some instances where, you know, you see a, a small child, a little guy, um, you know, sticking his hand out to get it a uh, high five from Chad Weenan or Joel Hetrick, and they just freak. And, um, you know, all of us, so many of us that are listening, you and I here, you, you can relate with that. Like you can remember when that was you and there was guys in sports, maybe this sport that you looked up to. And it was like, man, those are, those are superheroes to, to people out there. So I think I love seeing that. Cause it's like, man, cause I feel the same way. These guys are friends now to me, but when I see that, other people still putting them up on that pedestal, putting them, maybe that's not the right way to say it, but infatuated with these athletes. Uh, that's cool because I was once that person too, with guys like Doug Gus, guys like guys like, you know, uh, um, those past legends that you're talking about, but 
getting back to the racing we saw this past weekend, Joel Hetrick, um, he went two, two on the day, solid riding. And, and Joel said as much on the podium, he said he felt good about his riding. You're the, the Joel Hetrick whisperer, Casey, tell us about, uh, Joel's day a little bit and the vibes over there in the, in the Phoenix racing tent. Yeah, I think overall he was pretty happy. Um, I was surprised to see him not quite as angry after, like, say, the first moto as I would anticipated. Um, but he just kind of, you know, he said he laid it out there. He had a couple, you know, little struggles um, for himself, but he said overall he was happy with his machine. He was happy with the team. You know, the entire package was there. And um, that was just kind of what he said. It wasn't. There's not much in-depth insight there um, for the weekend. It was something that um, I think right now going into somewhere like Redbud against a guy that's 6'5 and you're 5'5, like it's always going to be a little bit tougher for Joel when we get to these tracks that the holes are three foot, four foot deep. Mm-hmm. You know, a rough track isn't always the same meaning as like Redbud rough. Mm-hmm. You know, even Walnut this year, it wasn't nearly as rough as Redbud was it had a harder base this year maybe they didn't disc it as deep or whatever and it was just more choppy than it was actual real real rough deep yep. stuff so yep. I mean he you know he didn't really have much insight on it he was just kind of you know obviously disappointed a little bit you know I think he was almost more you know when he was leading and gets passed, obviously that stings. But I think when it come to Sunday, he was pretty fired up and felt like that he had Chad covered in the pro stock class. And um, just, you know, one tiny little mistake is what cost him that second moto and getting overall there. So um, I think he's looking forward to the next couple of races. And I think you're going to see Joel, you know, he's got some personal things going on with selling a house and different things. And so I think he's going to be settled back in and ready to go at Loretta's. And I think you're going to see the Joel Hedrick that we're used to. Yeah. I think that we can surely expect to see that, especially on the two tracks that are on the docket, but talking about red, but I'm sure that some of those emotions or, or maybe lack thereof on Saturday probably did have something to do with that. It was red bud. We knew, you know, his, his back was, was squarely against the proverbial wall there, but Chad's just been so good at red bud over the years. Um, the, the track gets so gnarly. I'm sure that that had something to do with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's sometimes you can feel a piece when you put everything out there and do your best. And Hey, if it wasn't enough, at least I know I did my best, you know? So I'm sure maybe I'm sure that that's what, what Joel was feeling there. Yeah, for sure. And some days you're just not, you know, you're not the fastest guy that day or everything didn't go your way. And I think as these racers mature, they figure those things out. I mean, how many times have we had, you know, has Chad had to finish second or something and he got up on the podium and he did his job and, you know, he wasn't a sore loser. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. So, I mean, you can't take anything from Joel. I mean, he, he flat out said he had some arm pump issues or something going on. I didn't even really get to talk to him too much about that. Um, But I think it just comes down to, there was a lot of pressure on him this weekend. And I think he took it exactly the way he should have. He went out there and laid it out and tried to do his best. So that's what you leave it all out there. You're good. 
yeah, that's what a true professional does. You do you do your best and um, hold your head high afterwards. So so good on Joel there. Um, okay, so we got the two title combatants out of the way. Now this is when things really got interesting because it was it was truly a crazy day at Redbud. The lines get a little blurred, Casey, on whether you predicted Max Linquist would get a podium before Redbud or at Redbud. I'm joking, obviously. I think like you said the. We knew he had good chances. We had a, he had a good chance at Redbud. Um, so then you kind of went, you wanted to stick your head out, you know, more on a limb there uh, to see if he would get one before that. But Max got it done uh, on Saturday, probably creating the biggest headline of the weekend by earning his first career podium. Casey, take your victory lap. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple there. A um, couple decent starts for Max this weekend, especially um, in the second moto. And that's what we see. I mean, we've seen Janusa kind of have the same ride as Max did at Sunset Ridge. Just got a good start and put himself in a position and was in a breakaway early on in the moto. And then you just kind of solidify that. And then with the battle that we've seen with Bryce and Rochelle, the first moto. Yes. I mean, it just, it just shows, you know, what it is. And it's all about being in position. And that's what Max did this weekend. I mean, he, he definitely was impressive. He... He wrote his butt off and he deserved that podium this weekend. Yeah. This kid is only 17 years old. So he's not only just a rookie, but he's just 17 years old. He's a 17 year old rookie. When you look at the guys that he's running with, you look at the guys that he's beating. I mean, I'm convinced literally anything is possible for Max Lindquist going forward. And and honestly soon. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, it, he has a lot of time ahead of him and, you know, just even listening to him on the podium and, and things like that, like, and listening to really not even what Max said on the podium, but what Chad said on the podium. Okay. Chad, Chad's already paying attention. Chad's trying to move someone into, you know, when he, Chad can't race forever. So he's going to mm-hmm. have someone to fill his shoes there at Wayne Motorsports. So um, he pretty made it pretty dang clear in all honesty about, sort of what their plans are for the future um, yeah. in a pretty quick short sentences, if anyone was paying attention. So um, yeah, it's going to be cool. Yeah. That was uh sneaky big news there from Chad Weenan, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Max killed it. What do you say we get Max in here to talk about an unforgettable weekend for him? All right, guys, we said we'd get this kid back on if and when he made the pro class podium, will he achieve this lifelong goal this past weekend? And we are stoked to chat with him about it. Brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 528 TV2 chain. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or reputable online reseller. It's my pleasure to introduce reigning Pro-Am national champion, reigning amateur rider of the year, current AMA ATV pro class rookie phenom, and now pro class podium finisher fresh off that podium say hello to mixer max Linquist. what's up man hey cody thanks for uh getting me back on here hey we said we were gonna we were gonna make it happen when you made the podium and you did that this weekend chad weenan joel hetrick and max Linquist. those were the podium finishers at Redbud. two legends and you max a 17 year old rookie explain what that felt like to accomplish such an amazing feat this past weekend Oh man, uh, there's not many words to describe that. It was uh, definitely a, a weekend that 
uh, stands out in my career and will always stand out, you know, uh, definitely one that I'll never forget. There's never anything like your first. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it was super cool to do it where we did, um, you know, with all the family and everyone around, like, especially just how the weekend went, as I'm sure we'll get into here, just like, was a super blessed and super cool weekend to um, say the least. Mm-hmm. So when did it hit you? Um, and, and we can talk about the, the racing day a little more. I guess we should start with that. So tell me about the, the racing itself, your first moto, then your second moto, um, because it has to feel like you, like you probably, uh, feels like to you, like a big blur at this point, like it just, uh, like it all came together and it ended up being the perfect day, but tell me about the race day a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, was super excited for the race day. Redbud's always like, a mark on the calendar for me um just like have always had good finishes there always coming to that one excited and uh you know was the same this year came in um and you know thought I had uh you know the track figured out pretty good like time qualifying went pretty decent once I got the bike set up where I wanted it you know it qualified fifth we were pretty close to the top three like wasn't too far off so it was pretty pretty happy with just you know how the day started and then um, you know, come out one, uh, you know, things kind of went sideways on me for a minute. And, uh, you know, I just creeped up with that long gate and the gate dropped right on the front tires. Like just, um, you know, like something I wish I could take back, you know, like, um, we kind of laughed about it. So I, I ran a different clutch in that first moto than I had prior this season I ran a BTL and I hadn't ran it since I was in Texas um so it had been like a few months and I I got some practice on it and I kind of thought that's what I wanted to do for this rough beat track and and my in time qualifying my dad's like you know he's like I I watched you ride there he's like I just don't like the idea of going into a race and not racing something you're not super familiar with and I was like ah I really like how it's working and yeah I kind of bit myself on the butt (laughs) with that one so my dad gave me heck about it but you know, it worked out. I hit the gate and luckily just a quick, a quick, uh, you know, rock back of the bike and the gate dropped and came into the first turn last. But honestly, by the time I think like the first lap is over, I was already in eighth. Like it just, I don't know, like just some really good line choices early got me, you know, right up into that top 10 pretty easy. And then from there, you know, um, just a couple good passes and I got the sixth. And then from there, you know, it was everyone else kind of separated themselves at that point. And I was just kind of clicking off laps, um, you know, and when the moto was said and done, I wasn't exactly thrilled with it. You know, I, I shot myself in the foot. It was my mistake. Um, and obviously, you know, we made some changes for the next one and went back to what I was used to. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it worked, uh, came out of that start and, I honestly didn't have the grace to start just really uh, hugged it tight in the turn and um, stayed in it. I, I honestly saw Chad and I was like, this dude always seems to have a good start. And I just kind of followed in behind him and, you know, he pulled out third and I pulled out right behind him and it was kind of like practice. And I was like, all right, like just got to stick, stick with him as long as I can. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, he made the pass the second really fast and Joel was out front and then, I did the same, got into third, you know, within half a lap and just saw those guys in front of me and knew like, you know, that this was a great opportunity for me. I hadn't had that kind of opportunity really yet this year to start up there with those guys and see that pace. And um, it was something that, you know, I really wanted to prove to myself that I could hang up there and 
you know, see where I was at. And, uh, you know, Chad made a quick pass on Joel and then, um, you know, Joel made a little bobble and it put me right on him. And, um, you know, for me, that was the coolest thing getting to be up front with those guys and just see where I was at and, you know, really run with Joel for, for a few laps. And, uh, you know, that worked really well. Um, for me, I just knew like if I could keep pace with him, like, I should be able to separate myself, um, you know, from everyone else. And that's kind of just how it worked out. And then honestly, I didn't know I was in the third overall position until about five or six laps in all of a sudden, you know, um, all of a sudden I kind of looked back and realized that, you know, Wesley Wolf's behind me and then Brandon Hogue. And I was like, wait a second, like, you know, Wesley DNF the first one, like, and I started doing the math in my head and kind of figured it out. And then I got the pit board that was like, you know, you know, back off and like <laughs> settle down. Like I was kind of, I was pushing, I was definitely pushing pretty hard the first couple laps to keep up with those guys and really uh, push myself. And, you know, I felt good with where I was at, but once I uh, saw that, I was kind of like, okay, took a look behind me. It was like, all right, like just, this is more about just smooth, consistent, steady laps. And from there, you know, just hit my marks lap after lap. And then honestly, like the first half of the race was super fast. Like yeah. went by super quick and then man when they gave me that two lap board like everything was going good till they gave me that like those last two laps just felt like they took forever like I could not wait for that race to get over and mm-hmm. when it was over you know um it it didn't really hit me right away like that you know when we made the podium like I knew I finished third but you know it just kind of took a minute to sink in and yeah yeah definitely uh you know was a really good moto for me and then ended up working out in my favor to get me on that podium yeah in moto two and i was gonna i was gonna touch on that um you stayed tight with joel for nearly half the race and i thought to myself that probably worked in two ways both in a positive way i mean in in one aspect it probably helped the race fly by like you're just you're just trying to stick with them i'm sure the other thing that that did is if you could keep you know, keep, uh, like a toe strap on him. You would, that was going to help you distance yourself from the rest of the field and, and just do the racing thing instead of doing the math. And then that was the other thing I was thinking like, okay, at what point did Max either figure it out himself that he's in podium position or at what point did your dad have to be like balancing? Okay. Do I tell him, do I not tell him, you know what I mean? Like, is that going to be pressure? Is that going to be, is that going to uh, change your mental game or whatever? You know what I mean? Like I was really interested to learn that. Yeah, you know, honestly, after the race, my dad never straight up put it on the board. Like, you've got third, like, stay where you are. And after the race, I asked him, I was like, why didn't you ever say anything? He's like, you know, I figured it out about, like, we ended up figuring out it was about the same time I figured it out that he had it figured out. And he's like, honestly, he's like, you were so set on just keeping up with Joel and riding. He's like, he's like, you looked like you were riding so comfortable. He's like, I didn't want to, like. He's like, I didn't want to throw you off. He's like, I hadn't, you know, you hadn't had that chance all year. And I just didn't want to, you know, give you any more pressure than you needed. And he's like, you were riding good. And he's like, so he just, he threw it. You just the be smart and kind of lay back and relax. And, you know, as soon as I saw that, I was like, all right, like I'm, I kind of knew at that point, like I was game for that. Just, you know, kind of, you know, pull off of Joel and just like, hit my pace, you know, slow down a little bit and be very comfy. And, you know, um, from there, just, you know, run my laps and that's exactly what we did. And it worked out, but to go back to your other point too. Yeah. Like 
that was my whole thought right away. Like as soon as I saw Joel in front of me was just to try and keep pace with him as long as I could just, just because of the fact I knew that if I could run with him, I would probably distance myself from that group. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's exactly what we did until about that halfway point and then kind of, um, you know, figured things out and then settled in and kind of got in a groove from there and it just worked out and uh, everything kind of aligned for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you kind of touched on this already, but the reason why I wanted to ask you, you know, when did it hit you was because like, that's one of those things, like you said, so you're in the, you're in this, you know, a battle or you're, you know, you're keeping up with Joel, everything's snowballing quickly. You're starting to figure out you're going to be on the podium Two lap board comes, you feel all this pressure checkered flag comes, you did it. Like you throw your hand up in the air, you go to this sea of people, all these things. And it's like, it's like, it all happens so fast. Like I've never done it at the pro level. Right. But like you, it just, it just happens. And then it's like, you get back to your trailer and you're like, holy shit. Like I just did that. And I, and I assumed that that's how it went for you. You know, it was like, somebody's got to pinch me because I mean, this is, this is literally a dream. Like you're up there with Chad Weenan and Joel Hetrick, like two of the most legendary guys ever. Here's Max Linquist. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's, if you could draw it up like a dream ride, that's what it would have been. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely really didn't sink in till at least the next day. Like it really took some time. Like it was okay. a super cool moment. Like I really enjoyed it. It was, I mean, definitely all I, you know, hoped for and expected. And, you know, it definitely was just, uh, yeah. Like getting back to the trailer, like I didn't really know what to do. Like, it was kind of like, all right, like that was really cool. Like, yes, I guess I'll get undressed and, you know, just kind of do my <laughs> normal, like, cause at that point, you know, just it, it hadn't really set in yet. So it, it really probably didn't set in until, we actually left Redbud and we're coming home. Like, and it was like, all right, like, wow, we're, we're leaving Redbud with the third overall yeah. like in the pro class. So it was, yeah, it definitely took a little while, but definitely uh, was a, a, a great memory and one that'll be uh, remembered for a long time. Of course it will be. Did you expect this, Max? Did you expect this as a rookie? Be honest. Did you expect this? You know, my, my big goals coming into the season were I wanted to consistently stay in that top five. Mm -hmm. And my main goal this season was to get on that podium. Um, and you know, if not once for sure, get on that podium. Like that was my biggest goal this year was to get myself up on that box and prove to myself that I could run with those guys. And, you know, doing that was, uh, definitely one goal complete. And, um, you know, now we have to, up that and you know achieve another one but that was I would say like coming into the season that was the biggest goal like that we had in mind like me and my dad sat down before the first race and he's like all right so what's your goals for the year now it's like it's like I want to be top five like I want to run consistently every race you know in that top five and I was like but my biggest goal is to go out there and get on that podium and you know watching Bryce do it last year um just being so tight with him through the ranks I was like all right like I think this is a realistic goal and I think that you know it's definitely going to take some hard work and two really good motos and I honestly didn't expect that to happen at Red Bud just because of my first moto um with how it went so it was definitely uh even more of a blessing to get up there just with how the day went so do you think we can do it again like can we grab another podium before the season's over you know, um, that's obviously, you know, what we're shooting for. Um, I mean, that would definitely be another goal. And I think, you know, just after having the first one, like 
you know, it makes you realize, you know, you're definitely capable of it. Now you just got to be able to do it week in and week out. And that's obviously going to be the goal from here on out is, you know, to shoot for that box every weekend. And you know what, if we come up a little short, it is what it is, but if not, that's what we're going to be gunning for. And you had been close a number of times, right? I mean, there was a number of fourths there. I mean, you had like three fourths in a row earlier in the season or whatever it was. So um, we knew you were close. It was just all coming together on the right day. And, and Redbud was obviously that day. So um, there was more going on behind the scenes, though. Uh, a little birdie in the form of a seven-time champ that just so happens to be your mentor. He told me that you were dealing with something coming into the race weekend. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, you know, it uh, it made the race weekend even sweeter looking back on it now. And uh, come I think I, from... I, I feel like, Max, you're about to blow everybody's mind, to be honest. Yeah, you know, it, it still it still uh, it still blows mine like it with how Redbud looked coming into it. It, it really does, because uh, coming home from New York, I uh, wasn't feeling the greatest, like just really stiff and sore, like in my back area. And I've been kind of dealing with some pain like all season from my get off in Georgia um, a few rounds back, you know, earlier this season. And you know, it wasn't nothing I ever thought of. Like I, I crashed, I had to get off, I raced the second moto. And since then I've just been struggling every now and then like being real tight and sore. And like after Unadilla, it really hit me hard in that car ride home. And so coming home that week, Wednesday after Unadilla, I uh, went into the chiropractor and I, I asked him to take an x-ray and come to find out I had a compression fracture to vertebrae in my back. Um, and that was uh, really upsetting to see because I, I really didn't know if I was going to be racing or not come Redbud. So I took the whole week off, um, didn't do any riding or nothing, just uh, kind of relaxed and, uh, you know, went to go see the doctor. And I went and saw my uh, primary doctor and, you know, he couldn't give me an answer for sure. He's like, you know, at this point, it had been almost two months since I had the original get off. And you know, he didn't really know what the correct move was or not. Um, he didn't want to tell me, you know, like go ride and keep doing what you're doing. Like you've been doing it. Um, but he also didn't want to tell me, you know, completely quit what you're doing. So I, uh, gave, uh, Chad a call cause I knew he, uh, had back problems before and kind of, you know, picked his mind and got to get his opinion. And I called him and I was like, you know, it was, it was hard to call a man and be like, Hey, like, hate to tell you, but I'm not, you know, sure what to do here. And, you know, we kind of talked it over and came up with, you know, I'm, I'm super young at this point and have been had, having a good season, but obviously looking into the future, I don't want, I didn't want this to be something that would affect me in long term. So we came up with that until I met up with, um, you know, a back specialist and got, you know, his opinion that I wasn't going to do any riding and I wasn't going to compete at Redbud until I got the okay. And luckily, you know, um, I had some strings pulled and they got me in on Monday, Monday afternoon and uh, met up with the back specialist. And he, uh, he gave me the best news I could have ever heard. I really went in there thinking like, wasn't probably going to be racing Redbud. And the dude looked at me and had me do a couple of like, physical exercises and he's like how do you feel and I was like you know I'm pretty sore like I'm pretty tight but the more I sit and you know chill out the better like the better I've been getting and he's like 
yeah he's like that totally makes sense like he goes i'm gonna tell you what he's like there's no operation for this there's nothing we're gonna do like it's it just takes time and uh so he's like honestly he's like i'm gonna he's like i'm gonna ask you he's like if if i tell you you can race this weekend he's like can you go out there and ride it 100 percent and i was like if you tell me i can race this weekend i i can go out there and ride my pace you know and mm-hmm. I can do that. I was like, it's going to be after the fact that it's going to bother me. And he's like, well, he's like looking at it, you know, like I'm not worried about you hurting yourself. Um, if you go out and crash, he's like, you're already starting to heal being so young. Like he's like, you've been, you've already started to heal. And he's like, I think uh, if you can handle the pain and deal with it, he's like, you've been doing it for two months. He goes, I don't see a problem with you going and racing this weekend. So that was, you know, the, that was the biggest thing to me seeing, um, you know, uh, that was super cool to hear that. And so, you know, Monday I went home and got, you know, got on the bicycle, did some biking and, you know, was super pumped to hear that I was going to go racing. So I rode Wednesday evening and was like, all right, hopefully we're good to go. So came into Redbud like very unprepared you know, but also at the same time, very excited, you know, just knowing that, you know, everything worked out in my favor. Like I, I really thought I wasn't going to be racing red button. That was heartbreaking to me. So to come in, you know, I was just happy to be there. And then for the weekend to turn out how it did was just, um, it was, it was crazy. Like, and that was, you know, talking to Chad afterwards, he's like, I still can't believe it either. Like, you know, a couple days ago, I didn't think I was even going to be racing this race. And then to go there and finish third overall was, uh, definitely a weekend that, you know, just super, super stand up to me. Yeah. So you, you nearly didn't even race red bud. And then you turn that into podiuming and this dream ride and all these things. But like you said, maybe that makes sense. Cause it was like, you got a new lease on, on, on this, this season here. Um, you know, it was like, it was almost like it was going to be over. It was going to be anticlimactic. Like you, uh, you know, you didn't get that podium that you wanted and, uh, you weren't prepared to be done yet. And, uh, then, then you get to go back out there and finish this thing and, and accomplish one of the things that, um, you know, was circled on your, on your list of goals and all these things. So maybe that was your secret weapon. The fact that you thought you were possibly done and then got to go back out there. Maybe that was the key. You know, honestly, like when I found out like that, I, I might not be racing the rest of the season, like, cause it was supposed to, it's supposed to be like a two month recovery that I have to take. And, yep. um, when I found that out, like that was the first thing that came to mind was like, I, I accomplished all my goals, but one, and that was the biggest thing to me was I was like, man, like I really, I really thought I was going to get myself on the box this year. I was like, I felt really confident myself. And I was like, and I knew like just me personally, like out of the next couple tracks that were here, like red buds, red buds, my favorite, like that fits my style. Like I've had good luck there. Like I just knew like if it was going to happen, it was going to be red bud. And for the, you know, to hear that I might not be racing it, that was almost heartbreaking to me. And, you know, for everything to work out the way it did, like, it was just crazy to me. Like, I was like, I had a, I I definitely had a lot of luck on my side too that day. Like it was super cool for it all to work out that way. Um, I couldn't ask for anything different. The, the crazy thought too, Max is the, the Max Linquist that we've been seeing over the course of the last few months, last couple months, 
hasn't even been the Max Linquist that is a hundred percent, if that makes sense. Like we, you haven't necessarily been at a hundred percent. You've been battling with something you get, you didn't even know you really had going on. That's the crazy thought. Cause you've been so strong as a rookie to think that you're not at a hundred percent. That's, that's incredible to me. Well, thank you. And yeah, you know, it was, a, it was a shock to me, but it was honestly a relief too to find out. Like it was kind of something that I'm not one to, uh, speak up real much or say much like it, you know, I kind of just deal with away. it. Like just, just deal, deal with, with it. it. Yeah. And, um, it was something that like my parents honestly really didn't even know about. Like I've just kind of kept it to myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I knew I was sore and tight and I just, you know, I, I kind of said something at points so my parents were like, well, you know, like take a day off and stretch and, you know, like we can get you in and get you a massage or whatever. And, you know, it would help a little bit, but I was still like, man, like, I just don't feel like myself. So, you know, to find that out was nice. And, you know, come the end of the season now, I'll definitely, once our last race hits, the plan is to take a good six weeks off and, you know, make sure I get it completely healed up for this, for this next year. Um, but you know, it was, uh, definitely a blessing to be told that I can, uh, finish this one out. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And and I think that a lot of that, um, and you and I talked about this at the racetrack, but if you would have went, if you would have just been at a normal doctor, they would have been like, yeah, your back's messed up, you know, take X amount of time off. And, and that's that, but you weren't at, uh, you know, a, a typical doctor. Um, you weren't even, it wasn't necessarily just a back specialist at all. If, if, if what you told me is correct or what, I, if I remember correctly, it's that they're used to athletes. So they knew that, man, if, if you're not going to hurt the thing and you can go out there and perform, man, like I'll sign off on it. That's basically how it went. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got lucky enough, like living here in green Bay, we have some really good doctors with the Packers and I kind of got hooked up with them this off season. When I got myself hurt, I started working with a couple guys that work with the Packers. And so they're, they're used to all these athletes. And, you know, I, I had a contact there that was able to help me out and get me in to see, um, some really, a really good back doctor. And he knew, you know, like, they did their research, went and watched some videos of what I did, like how I do it. And, yep. You know, they, they knew exactly what I was doing. And when he saw me and, you know, looked at my back, he was like, you know, I, I really don't see this being with where my back was hurt too. It's, it's right in the middle of my back, the T10. He's like, I don't think it's a big deal. He's like, I don't think there's nothing you're really going to hurt by going and racing. So he was like, with that being said, he's like, as long as you can handle the pain and take care of yourself, like you go for it. And, that was all it took for me to hear to, um, you know, mm-hmm. be at the racetrack. Well, and I think that that, like I said, that was key. I just wanted to get that, that detail in there because again, like enough of us have been to the normal doctor where they're like, yeah, Oh, that like, you got this. Go- no, no, don't ride, take two months off or whatever it is. So I thought that part of, the, uh, of it was key. So, uh, you overcome that. It really just adds to the legend that will be, um, you know, the story that comes from this years down the road or, or comes in, uh, the fact that it wasn't just your first podium, you were dealing with all these other things too. Um, so that just adds to the legend there. One of the storylines is the, the legendary number two, returning to the podium though. Right. Um, and how cool was that for Jeremiah Jones to actually be there and be able to join you up on the podium? Um, I was glad to see some of those pictures that came from, from that moment, uh, was truly a special moment. So talk about what that means to you. Oh man, it, it was 
such a cool moment um, all year. I mean, I've been so thankful that that family there, the Jones, they've taken me in like family and, you know, it's been just a super cool experience. And I mean, I can't be more blessed to have, you know, not just one legend, but two in my corner between Chad and Jeremiah. Like I, I there's so much knowledge that they've been giving me and it's been so great. And, you know, to get up there on that podium and finally put the two back on the podium was so cool. And the coolest part about it to me that just sent some chills, just gave me chills afterwards when I found out and uh, Tammy didn't and Jeremiah didn't say anything to me till after the race. But, um, you know, I think it was kind of a, I don't know, I won't say too much on Jeremiah's part, but it was, I definitely think it's cool for people to know, like, after the fact, they uh, let me know it had been um, this weekend, this past weekend had been the 15 year anniversary of Jeremiah Jones paralysis. So it was kind of a tough weekend for him just to be at the track and for it to work out like that for the number two to get back on the podium. Like, like he said, it was super cool to see and, you know, totally uh, made it worth, you know, being at the track that weekend and all that. So I, I thought that would like, to me, that was the coolest thing to hear. Like, you know what, like for it to all work out that way for me to get my first podium, like just on that date and how all that worked out, like just with the whole back deal, like everything, like it just came together for me. Like I, there's no other way to put it to me than that. Like it was just so special of a weekend for me. And I mean, I definitely like, that was so cool. Like, I mean, I just, I, there's no words for me to mm-hmm. put that, like how that yeah. feels. and Like it know, was meant it to went. be like, it was yeah. meant to be max. Like, like um, it, like if somebody needs a proof that, you know, like proof of proof of faith or God or whatever, like, that's it. Like it was meant to be that's, that's, that, that's what it means. Right. I mean, that's how I, that's how I see it. That's, and you know, that's how I am. And you know, whatever you believe in, you believe in it is what it is. And to me, like, that was like the biggest eye opening, like, wow. Like out of all this adversity, out of everything that happened, like out of this whole week leading up to it and everything, like, and then learning that about Jeremiah, like it was, and then him being there on top of it to coming up and sharing that podium with me, you know, Mm -hmm. like, it, it was just so, so special of a moment. Um, you know, I got to go out, we went out, we went out for dinner the night before with them, but, uh, not something I always do before a race night just happened. To, I was like, Hey, like I hadn't seen Jeremiah and, and them in a while. They didn't make it to Unadilla. So I was like, you know, let's, let's go out tonight. And we went out and right afterwards, the first thing uh, he said to me is he's like, I guess we're going to have to go out more often. Like, pretty good. So it was definitely super cool. Uh, definitely uh, just uh, everything line aligned so perfectly. And yeah, just what a crazy weekend. Yeah, what a special memory. Um, as we turn the page from uh, from an unfor- truly unforgettable weekend at, at Redbud um, and look to Loretta's next, how about a, a favorite Loretta Lynn's memory? Do you have one? Um, you know, probably just my, oh man, like there's been a, quite a few good ones there, but probably, you know, the best one just being the last time I was there, I haven't been there since 2018, you know, um, took mm-hmm. that 2019 season off. And at the end of that season, I decided I wasn't going to race. And that was my choice, uh, was not to race in 2019. So coming into Loretta's, I, uh, I hadn't had a perfect weekend yet. Mm-hmm. you know, per se, uh, racing wise and came into Loretta's there in 2018 and, um, ripped every start, let every lap, won every race. So nice. was, was just like a super, super sweet weekend, you know, for a, 
for the to end the year. So definitely uh, good vibes going into there with uh, that being my last memory of being there back in 2018. So uh, definitely hoping for uh, something similar to that coming here this year. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it wasn't right. It wasn't right for the series not to go there last year. It just didn't seem right. So um, love to hear it. Good vibes only. Max, uh, you're the man. I'm so extremely pumped that you pulled this thing off, this podium off. Uh, seems like we've been talking about it potentially happening all year, really. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it's not like you were feeling the pressure or anything from Casey, uh, but you've made it happen. And I'm so stoked for that. And, and like I said, like we've been saying, it's a day you'll, you'll never, 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 never forget. Yeah, no, um, definitely one that stuck up there and like, so, so special to me. So, so cool. Like just everyone that was there in the moment itself. So awesome. And, you know, just, uh, so grateful for that. And, um, so excited to see, you know, what comes of it. Awesome, man. I appreciate you giving us a little of your time. Uh, I'm proud of you. Like I say, every time we, we love having you, of course, and, um, looking forward to doing it again sometime soon, whenever you check off the next goal. All righty. Well, I appreciate it, Cody, as always. Thanks for having me on. It's always great. And, uh, appreciate it, man. That's podium finisher Max Linquist brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. Congrats again, buddy. Keep uh, keep up the good work. Keep, keep all the good vibes going on. And uh, thanks again, and we'll see you soon. Uh, good to see you, Cody. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hatrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you? CST tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATVMX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ 450R. 
For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at Valvoline.com. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off. And today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time NHRA world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship-winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength-to-weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship-level edge. DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Wienan, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain, with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or reputable online e-tailer. DID what drives you. We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, Visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. 
Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. All right, back here with Casey Greek on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Casey, prediction time, and I know you love these. Uh, prediction for 2022, if you could only take one rider, who would you bet the house on between Max Lindquist and Bryce Ford? Ooh. That's like trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> I, I have nothing to do with either one of them. I was going to say you got, yeah, right. But I was going to say you got no stake in this game right now. <laughs> I'm getting a phone call by someone's dad. <laughs> um, That's tough. Like you said, and, and you kind of teed it up earlier. Um, but this very well could be the, 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 the battle going forward, the rivalry going forward. These kids grew up racing each other. They're very close to the same age. And like you said, it does remind you a lot of Chad Wienan and Joel Hetrick because Bryce is the, you know, crazy fast one who's going to, you know, lay it all out there. And Max, though, he is also obviously crazy fast. You don't podium without being crazy fast, but he's the consistent calculated, um, you know, kind of, a uh, guy that's going to probably hit his marks every lap. Um, but I knew it was going to probably be tough for you. That's why I had to ask the question. Yeah. I'm like bouncing, like debating in my own head right now about this. Um, I'm going to go safe here in a sense. And it's Bryce. It's no disrespect to you. I love you to death and you're ridiculous, but Max's consistency, which when you look at the points right now, Bryce is going to again, be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> look at where I'm at in points. Look where he's at. But, as a rookie, you know, and with a mechanical early in the year, yeah, I think it set Max back a little bit. I think he would have been closer in this battle for third yes. if um, a couple situations didn't happen. So I'm going to go with Max because he didn't let me down this year and mm -hmm. um, with his podium at Redbud. So I'm going to go ahead and go with him. And like I said, it's, it has nothing to do with either one of them. It's uh, I think Max is the safer bet on a sense of just because he is so ridiculously consistent. Yeah. So, so you referenced Max having that tough race at Georgia, um, you know, a couple rounds back where if I remember correctly, he only scored like 10 points at the event. And these guys, you know, typically score, you know, say 25 to, to 30 to, you know, if you have a really good weekend, 30 plus. And if you factor, say you add 20 points to where Max Linquist is at, he's, tied with Jeffrey Rostrelli. So he would be right in that mix. I mean, he was very consistent early. He had that one hiccup and then he's been consistent since. And if he could, man, if he could even just get a little bit better starts, cause we've seen what he can do with some starts. I mean, he ran up front at, uh, at pleasure Valley. He was up front at Walnut for a while. I know he hit, he made a mistake there. And then we saw what happened this weekend. So obviously, um, obviously a, a tough, it's like splitting hairs there. Right. But it's going to be very fun to watch going forward. Uh, so as we will get into, um, Bryce Ford a little more in a minute, but fourth overall on this day at Redbud was Brandon Hogue five, five for fourth overall in the day. Brandon's best finish since his podium at high point in early May, uh, best finish on the Yamaha. I, I, I'd go out on a limb to say, I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon were to put that YFZ 450 on the box before the season is over. Brandon was good at red bud, not flashy per se, but he was good. Yeah. It was a quiet day for Brandon in that sense of, uh, 
you know, just the five, five. And, you know, we kind of chalk it with a guy like Brandon, like, Oh, it was just a five, five. Like that's still so impressive. And in this group in this group. Yeah. yeah. And Brandon's not okay with five, five. Like he, we, he's, we pro. know that. Yeah. We know yeah. that. He's like depressed right now. And, and he shouldn't be, <laughs> um, I would go and say, as far as, since we're just throwing predictions out here, I would say Brandon Hogue is on the podium at Loretta or not at Loretta's at, um, Briarcliff for sure. I wouldn't, yeah, uh-huh. he's, we know he's been riding there. That's a very Brandon Hogue like racetrack. We've seen what he's done at. We, he did it at Muddy Creek last year. He's done it at Unadilla. We saw him do it this year at high point. That's a Brandon Hogue style racetrack right there. That's why either of these tracks, I could see him, see him being special at. Yeah, for sure. And you know, there's still so many good things to come for Brandon in the Mm -hmm. future. And he just needs to realize that he's young. I think he's like literally just turned 21 or like yesterday. Yeah. Today's his birthday. Today, I think it's today. today. Yeah. Happy birthday, Brandon. Yeah. Happy birthday, Brandon. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, he's so impatient. (laughs) He frustrates me. I'm like, Brandon, just calm down. You got plenty of time. You, You can do this. You're very young. And, you know, something, and I know we're trying to move quick, but something that is really cool to me is we didn't see guys on the podium and we didn't see very young riders maturing in ATV motocross. You know, you see it in dirt bike world a lot, you know, guys 16, 17 years old winning races or winning championships. Mm -hmm. And to me, I've always paid attention to this over the last 15 years of where these guys, how long it takes them to to mature to win races or to be podium threat guys now look at we're talking about bryce ford was he like 18 19 years old max linquist 17 brandon hogue 20 these guys are young and they're already in the mecca of this class you know normally it would be like the guys like janusa um Ristrelli, joel chad the guys that are a little bit older you know i think joel's like 27 mm-hmm. and you know joel obviously was a when he came in, he went initially to right to the front of the pack. Yep. But like Chad Wayne Chad didn't, Chad didn't start winning races. Well, he won races pretty early in his pro career, but he wasn't the guy that you were like, yep, that's a guy I'm putting money on, you know, and now it's easy to put your money on Chad or Joel because you just know. And then, you know, even with Nick and Rastrelli, like these guys have been around for a long time. And now you're starting to see Wesley Wolf start to mature and watch him go through. And he, I, I feel like a lot of Wesley's success this year is because he's put more emphasis on motocross, but we'll, we'll talk about him when we get down there. Yeah. So this is a, I just want to piggyback one last thought uh, on that, what you were touching on there. Cause I had this conversation with Chad this weekend. Uh, we were talking about max. This was late Saturday night. Um, he came over to my pit and I said, man, what about, you know, how about Max? He's, he slayed it today. He's been slaying it. And uh, the conversation went to Max is 17 years old and Chad, when he was 16, so similar age was racing a Banshee at the County fair. Like to think about where Max is, where some of these young kids are is absolutely crazy. Um, if you haven't heard the, the Chad Wienan story, go back to our very first episode and check that out. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's truly incredible. And there's other young guys coming. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, um, then as we transition into the rest of the class here, the best battle in the class right now has to be for that final podium spot in the series point standings. The two front runners are Bryce Ford 
and Jeffrey Rastrelli, who came into the weekend tied for third. The duo found themselves locked in an epic duel in Moto One at Red Bud. Bryce Stock, the pro class veteran, Rastrelli for the entirety of the 18 minute plus two lap moto, but could not find a way by. Then it, at the start of Moto Two, uh, the two competitors found themselves deadlocked once again, but this time they were locked literally together after tangling in the first corner. By the time they got untangled, the two podium contenders had spotted the field nearly 45 seconds. Bryce Ford would end up racing his way up to ninth with his four nine scores miraculously earning him fifth overall in the day. Somehow he managed to actually uh, make up ground on the rest of the competition in the points on the day. Jeffrey wouldn't fare as well. However, he suffered a mechanical failure late in the moto. Um, the saving grace for, for both of those guys, probably for Jeffrey more than anybody though. And we'll get into more of this going forward was the fact that most of the other contenders also had one bad moto at Redbud, and Linquist and Hogue, who finished third and fourth, are a bit further back in the standing. So when we when the when the dust settled in Michigan, Ford now sits all alone in third. Rastrelli is just four points back. Wolf is 15 back now. We'll get more into his day going forward here. Janusa is 18 points out of third. Linquist is 24 back, and Hogue now sits 42 points back after Redbud. So the battle is on. With only four motos remaining, Casey, who you got in uh, the battle for third in the series point standings? Ooh, man, it's tough. It's it's tough. I know that. Yeah. Um, I know that you got. You know, obviously, you know, you have you're tight with Jeffrey's crew, and um, I know you got uh, some guys that you work closer with than others there. But I, I truly. Like I'm proposing the the question to you because I really don't know which way I'm leaning at this point yet. Like, man, any one big shift, anybody can get hot. Like, I mean, it'd obviously be tough. Hogue is a Brandon's a ways back. Max even at 24. I mean, that's a that's a pretty sizable gap. But man, if if a guy can can put two podiums together and make up some serious points, man, it's it's kind of it could, it could still be anybody's. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and Jeffrey's so close to Bryce, and I feel like Bryce has been hot this last few races, you know, with a podium at Pleasure Valley, with a second at Unadilla. I mean, Bryce is really hot, but, you know, Bryce and Jeffrey raced heads up in the first moto together, and Jeffrey came out on top. Yep. You know, Jeffrey having an issue in the second moto really hurt Jeffrey there, but Jeffrey's riding is really well right now, so I... I'm not going to go out there right now. I'm just going to, we're just going to watch this thing go. That's, I'm just going to stay safe here. Um, I, I believe in both of them. I think they're both incredible. So ag- it's, ag- it's just watch and enjoy. Agreed. Um, Jeffrey's been so damn solid. He finished third in the first moto. Uh, I was crazy impressed by his riding there. And if he can ride that way for four more motos without issue, he could very easily be the guy because like you said, I mean, straight up with him and Bryce, the two guys that are the favorites for this thing with where they're sitting in points, they race straight up in, in moto one and Bryce stayed with them Bryce stayed right there. He put pressure on him, but Jeffrey outlasted him on a gnarly racetrack. And I think Jeffrey's proven time in and time out this season that, you know, he's been up to task, but I just thought that red bud was going to be another test and man, he passed, he passed that test. Like Moto two, he obviously didn't put himself in a good spot, but he's only four points back now. And like I said, if he can continue that riding, um, he could very easily be the guy And his starts Casey. That's, that's, what's been so key when you can come out of the gate third or fourth, 
things are going to go well for you more times than not. And that's what Jeffrey's been doing of late here. Yeah, definitely. His starts have definitely improved and he's putting himself in the position and, and that's what he, that's what he needs. And obviously he got tangled up on the start in the second moto, but I don't, I didn't get to see it where we were at in the tower. You couldn't really tell. I mean, you can see the start, but you couldn't tell what happened. And to be honest, I really didn't even realize that they were tied together. They must've been just in <laughs> I a, heard that. like a blind spot where we couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, where are those two? And then for it to be those two that are battling so close for third in yeah. this championship series and how close they were to, in the first moto. I mean, it was literally one would give an inch, one would take an inch. And I was just like, wow. Like, so they're, it's good. I mean, we got, we're very lucky. I think the battles that we're going to see between Chad and Joel are going to be really good these next couple of races. And I think the battles that you're going to see between Bryce and um, Jeffrey are going to be really good this, this next couple of races. I mean, those, those have been incredible battles all year with all those guys that we've listed off so many times. Well, it's, it's been, it's been nearly impossible to predict. And yeah. So I knew that that first corner was kind of blind for you guys in the tower, especially because uh, we're like a lap in and, and you guys are like, you know, where's Bryce, where's Jeffrey. I was standing in that first corner and I, and I saw it all go down and actually um, the series highlight video shows this very well because it must've been, was it, was it Jeffrey? Jeffrey must've had the helmet cam on. It must've been Jeffrey. And uh, you you can kind of see them just, they just get, they, their tires kind of tangle and they get stuck together. It's before they even get to the corner. It's still on the, on the shoot going in. So, um, so yeah, I mean, they got tangled and that changed everything, but thankfully, like I said earlier, for, for those guys, everybody, uh, found a way to have an issue in one of the motos pretty much at, at, at Redbud yeah. in the middle of the class there. So uh, anything you'd like to note on Bryce Ford fifth overall, he stayed right on Jeffrey. Like we said, all moto long and moto one. Um, this is something that you and I have touched on on the shows here. He's showing us more consistency and more maturity each and every weekend at this point. And I think that that's maybe the most notable thing um, coming out of these race weekends with Bryce Ford. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, to come back from being that far back down up to ninth place, yeah, on paper, it doesn't look that impressive. But knowing how far they were down to the point, like, where we literally, I thought they didn't, like, make it to the gate. Like, where are these guys? They're completely lost out there. Um, So, no, I mean, and, you know, we talk about how consistent Max is, but Bryce has really turned that on. And so, for me, you know, to tell Bryce something, I just, like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, Mm -hmm. you're, you're obviously doing something right. And keep doing what you're doing, and I think he's going to be just fine. And talking to him this weekend, I think his head is in such a good place. I mean, he really seems like a guy that is maturing. He's just a he's he was a kid, and he seems more like a like a man now. Um, like he's just maturing. His head's in a better spot, and I think we're seeing that on the racetrack too. He's just handling things more maturely. And uh, I mean, that's if he can do that, man. Uh, these guys better watch out. Sixth overall was Nick Janusa. Quieter day for Nick than normal. He was my digging deep ATVMX fantasy pick. Uh, full disclosure, but he was seven, six on the day for sixth overall. And he hung around those positions all day for the most part. I think, like I said, I probably expected a little more from, from Nick there at Redbud. Redbud was a place that he's podiumed before. That's why I picked him. Frankly, um, thoughts on Nick Janusa's day there, Casey. Starts. Yeah. I mean, starts and putting yourself in position. And, you know, I talked to Nick after the race and, you know, in between motos and, you know, Michael Allred crashed. Michael, Michael is pro- the 
proving the facts of how I say so much about starts. Like the guy's getting really good starts right now. He's figured out a way to make it all the way through the first turn. And he's gaining such valuable experience right now mm-hmm. and learning how to go that fast. You know, Michael may not exactly have the speed that say Bryce and Max, Joel and Chad have, but the only way you can learn that is by putting yourself in a position to start learning it. And he he's proving it over and over again, and he's getting better and better results every time. And, you know, he, he tipped in a corner. I actually didn't even get to ask him what happened. And Nick had nowhere to go. Nick hit him, ended up putting Nick on his side. And Nick rebounded back to a seventh, second moto, just buried start and worked his way up into sixth. And, you know, kind of a quiet day for Nick, too. Um, But, you know, I I think if you start up there a little bit more, you're going to be just fine. And I mean, Nick's obviously proved that he can and it just takes a good start. Yeah, with that, what we call with the fantasy game tier two, um, with those guys that are battling for the podium, you know, the top five guys, you know, from say third to seventh or eighth, those guys right there. I mean, the start is the tiebreaker because it's like splitting hairs between them. They're so close that if you could, if you could pause time, as soon as everybody's gotten through the first corner the, the, the betting odds would be on the first guy, like every time, no matter which one of them it was. Right. I mean, maybe that seems obvious to say, but that that's just the facts. Um, so the starts are so important when those guys are so close and, uh, I figured that that had to be key with Nick there, but I think he's a guy, um, if he does get some starts, he's going to want to be a guy that, that is going to end this thing on a high note right now. He's sixth in points and he's been fourth or fifth. in. And I remember saying this last year over and over and over again, but he's been fourth or fifth in points every year of his pro career. And right now he's not. So um, I would assume you're going to see, see him, you know, kind of throw it in high gear. And uh, we just went over it. I think he's 18 points out of third. So he's not like way too far behind, um, but he's going to have to make, Hey, well, the sun shines and, and make it happen right now. So um, as we move on to the next position, then stoked for this next guy, Cody Ford was seventh overall on the weekend, his best finish since Texas round two and his seventh consecutive top 10 finish, which is good. No matter who you are, that was doubling his longest streak of his career. Previously uh, Cody's been slaying it made Major, major improvements this season, Casey, for Cody Ford. Yeah, definitely. And it comes down to starts. I've been seeing that machine up towards the front more and more this year. Mm-hmm. Um, his overall comfortability, I think he just looks more comfortable out there. He He's not making quite as many mistakes. I mean, he's got in, I'm sure in their heads, they're going, you know, I made 100 mistakes that lap, but they're not making big you know, substantial mistakes that we as spectators are seeing. So, and that's what's making Cody and putting Cody into a position that he's as consistent as he is, you know, and he's another guy like Logan. They're, they're putting it out there and their results are very consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, that's a, that's a very competitive group there too. Um, may, I don't know if he's the favorite, He's, he was my prediction at the beginning of the year. I predicted Cody Ford would be the most improved pro this season. Um, it would be hard. I mean, man, when I say that, it'd be hard to not give it to him, but there's a couple guys in the running. Um, when you consider that question too, who would be your most improved pro? I would stick with Cody Ford. I think at this point, uh, we'll hand that award out at the end of the year when all the dust has settled, but who would be your most improved pro Casey? Mine actually comes to a couple veterans. Um, it's, 
pretty much a toss-up for me between Ristrelli and Wesley Wolf. And I know that sounds weird, you know, because these guys have always been fast and always been towards the front of the pack. But with Wesley getting a couple podiums this year with Ristrelli putting himself back into podium position and and finish on the podium a couple of times and battling for third. I, I think to me right now, it's still a top between those two and where each one of them ends up in the points on how they improved. And I don't remember how Wesley ended up in points last year, but Wesley's just had a couple other little things that went on, you know, with the DNF and the first moto this weekend that hurt him in points too, but he was right in the battle for third for this entire season. So for me, you take guys that have had sort of, this sounds rough, but mediocre years, you know, at least for Restrelli, you know, he hasn't been happy with his results the last couple of years. And he would tell you, like, it's been mediocre. Like, I'm just surviving out there sometimes or whatever it is. And, you know, Wesley, we've seen little flashes out of him here and there, and we're seeing a lot of flashes out of both of them. So it's kind of a toss up for me between those two guys right now. Yeah. The, the other one, uh, when I started to say, you know, Cody Ford, um, it would like, it would be hard to give it to anybody, but him Wesley is the one that pops into my mind just because he was a guy that came into the season, having never podiumed. And we saw him, you know, get a few, um, podiums this season, a couple, I should say, I mean, he's got two, but to go from a guy that's never had one to two in one season. And, and you just do the eye test and he's been a guy that's been in the mix all season long. Um, and he's a guy that he's one of the guys that can maybe not get the best start. Cause that's not necessarily his MO. And he just, he just grinds and grinds and chops wood and chops wood. And the, the best part about all this is the story isn't written yet. The conclusion isn't written yet. Um, whoever, whoever probably, especially if it would be between Jeffrey or, or Wesley, whoever finishes the season, the strongest is going to put them ahead of the other when it comes to, when it comes to this. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here down the stretch. Uh, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to hand out another most improved pro award at the end of the season. Last, uh, last year it was, um, it was West Lewis last year by a landslide and, and looking forward to handing out another one of those this season, Logan Stanfield rock solid as always eight, eight for eighth overall at his home race. Uh, he was also on the event shirt, which is awesome for him. Uh, this was the fifth time Logan finished eighth in the eighth spot this season, but what's most impressive. Um, and I know this from talking to you, Casey, what's most impressive is all the hurdles he and his team had to overcome on race day. Uh, Casey, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, on paper for Logan, it just looks like an, a standard day where we've been seeing Logan this year, 7th, 8th, right in that position and just being silky smooth out there all the time. And um, his day was less than silky smooth. Having a boatload of his friends there and, you know, all of his family there. You know, I his sister was there. I hadn't seen her at a race in a while and stuff. So with, the, with her kids and everyone. So it just... Um, the, the whole team over there, TDR, you know, Stanfield Motorsports, those guys, they really came together and worked their butts off to get Logan back out on the track with a gremlin that chased him, I want to say, like throughout the whole day, um, it seemed like. But, yeah, a couple engine swaps when it wasn't the engine, but, they, you know, they had changed so many things. And, you know, it, it really never had anything to do with the engine at the end of it. And, you know, obviously, I think we all seen in the second moto, Logan's bike was smoking the entire moto, but that was just a breather tube. I mean, it was down to Logan was standing on the starting line, waiting for his bike. Alan Myers jumped, like they get it done, roll it out of the trailer. Alan jumps on it, hauls butt up there, flies through staging, 
hands Logan his bike, 30 second board goes up, drop the gate and go. And the kid was never rattled. I mean, like I was standing in the trailer and he was sitting by his motorhome and I could see him and I was watching him waiting for this eruption, you know, of either him or, you know, his father or his mother or something. And everyone was just cool and just kind of did their thing. And, you know, the kid was dressed, ready to go. And I don't know if you've ever missed a moto and in all the years, I'm sure you probably have, but been in that situation, I've, I've never personally been in that situation to where, you know, I'm literally sitting there dressed, but I could imagine how the pain would have been if he would have had to take his gear off clean and not get to go out there because of just a gremlin. I mean, nobody's fault type of thing. And he kept us cool. I yelled out to him. I said, you go up there you know, when they're, you're going to have to take last gate fit because your machine's not there. I said, so just go stand at your gate and let them do the parade lap. When they come back in, wait as long as you can before you throw your hand up for two minutes. Mm-hmm. And then like literally just wait until they're like, oh, we're going and then throw your hand up. Try to give them get that extra two minutes. I said, because technically we have until they cross the finish line on the first lap to get you out there. Yes. Yep. And so I said, just go wait. And if your bike don't show up, then come back. I don't know what to tell you, but we're going to, you know, we're going to do everything we can. And, and those guys, they, they humped it and they made it happen, found the problem, got him on the track, got him up there. And he went out and literally did exactly what we expected them to do. And he rode really impressive that moto. And for everything that had been going on in his head mentally, I think that's pretty cool. I, I think I was more impressed by his composure the entire time. And I had even like multiple people come up and tell me like, you know, Logan was standing on the starting line in where his bike should be at and he should be sitting on it and he wasn't freaking out. He never made any gestures. He never even got upset. He just stood there and waited and then threw his hand up for the two minutes, rolled his bike into the gate, jumped on it. You know, and I, I think he was asking Alan, what, what was it? What was it? And Alan's like, shut up and go. <laughs> you know and got him on the track and so it was cool i mean it, it was fun to you know when i was a mechanic that stuff wasn't fun no and, and no, thrashing sure. like that when you know i feel like your livelihood's on on order in that sense you know where mm-hmm. you're feeling like it's your fault and you can't figure it out and you have one job to do is to figure it out so getting to jump in there a little bit with those guys and thrash around it it's fun for me nowadays <laughs> but definitely not back then you know so hats off to timmy his entire crew um Stanfield Motorsports guys I mean everyone pulled together and really held it together for the kid and got him back on the track yeah he's a pro's pro in so many ways he's like literally the absolute best kid uh if I had a young child in the sport right now I mean that is somebody I would want my my son or daughter to look up to because I just feel like I mean he comes from such a great family he's got such a great head on his shoulders again he's a pro's pro so it doesn't surprise me that he handled everything that way but it still is awesome to hear um I love that kid quick story uh from for you to bring it up that actually the the one time that that pops into my head that that happened was my pro debut at Redbud in whatever it would have been 2013, I think. So I won, I wrapped up the A class a few races earlier, were the number one, the race before went pro at Redbud, And there was 25 guys, go figure I'm going pro. So there's 25 guys. So I'm like worried to death that I'm not going to make it. So if you don't qualify in the top 16, you got to go to a race and try to qualify in that way. And this, that, and the other thing, uh, 
And I qualified 12th in the qualifier, blew myself away that I, that I was even able to do that. And uh, so I didn't have to race or anything. Going to the line for Moto One, I had a stator go bad and didn't get it, didn't get to get time to change it or whatever. So yeah, that did happen. It was not that fun. Uh, let's get back to the racing nowadays though. Um, ninth overall. So tying that up, uh, Logan Stanfield is a badass. Awesome ride for him. Eight, eight, eight. Um, awesome ride for him to, to keep his composure through all that ninth overall is where Jeffrey Estrelli ended up, uh, with his three fifteen scores, um, three DNF scores. Basically we already touched on him. Wesley Wolf had a similar day. Uh, we touched on him a little bit. He was running sixth early in moto one, got crossed up on the, the big booter there after the rollers landed sideways and, and broke something on his bike. Do you know what he broke Casey? personally i never really got to see it. i knew it was something in the front end mm-hmm. yeah i believe it was a spindle okay um i think someone told me that it was a spindle i never actually got to go over and um ask him or ask johnny what had actually happened but where we were at in the tower when he was trying to get towards the finish line so he could wait to cross the finish line yep um i could see the front end was mm-hmm. moving around quite a bit and it, it's something that's unfortunately a very not a very frequent thing um, but with the spindles that everyone's running right now, um, it seems like it happens to the best of them out there. And if I didn't even see what he had done, but yeah, if he got crossed up and landed sideways like that, I mean, something's going to give, I um, can't, glad, he, glad he's okay. I know. can't believe he hung on to it, to be honest. Cause I <laughs> saw it. I cannot believe he hung on to it. Probably only Wesley Wolf that hangs on to that thing, but, uh, not surprised that something broke because like I said, he was way crossed up. So I can't believe, uh, he hung on to it. So DNF or, or 15 there for Wesley Wolf in Moto One. And then in Moto Two, he rebounded for a strong fourth. Um, it was only good enough for 10th overall, but only 15 points back. Um, so uh, it's all really out in front of him still. I mean, if he goes on a run here and grabs a couple podiums, uh, it's doable, difficult. Uh, but doable for Wesley. And I remember just a few years back, he got his, I think he got his best uh, finish of his career up till that point with a fourth overall at Loretta's. So in the back of my mind is, is him being good at Loretta's and maybe that's what we'll see next weekend. Who knows? Yeah, definitely. So um, wrapping up the rest of the pro class here, 11th overall was Cesar Jimenez. Uh, 12th was Michael Allred. Vitek Nakenyak was 13th. Vince Merman was 14th overall. And 45-year-old Marshall Smith rounded out the field in 15th. Also want to note that we lost Michael Perkins to injury going into this event um, for anybody that was wondering why he wasn't on the list. So Casey, uh, leaving Redbud, there's only two rounds to go now. What was your biggest takeaway from the weekend, if you had to narrow it down to one thing, um, probably go with I was right. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Ride with, it out here. Right. I was gonna say the victory lap that I mentioned earlier. I I don't even yeah. blame you for it. Um, because and I heard you guys say uh say something like you know Cody's not gonna give me that one or or something like that. You guys <laughs> said over the over the PA there. Um, but I'm giving it to you. You said that it was gonna happen at Red Bud, and, and you were just uh you were saying that, you know, that was your risky, was your r- risky prediction was saying he was going to get it before Redbud because if not, it was coming at Redbud for sure. So I don't blame you for that. Um, as we transition out of the pro class and into the rest of the classes, there's one young man in particular that we simply have to start things off with. Let's get him in here. 
All right, guys, we've really tried to create a mantra of if you ball out on the track, we'll give you a call for you to come on the show here with us. Well, this guy definitely did just that. He's been doing that all season long, really. Brought to you by Gripped Gloves. Use discount code DIGGINDEEP10 at gripgloves.com today because everyone wants a good-looking glove for an even better price. It's Redbud Pro Sport winner, fresh off the podium, Mr. Dane Molander. What's up, man? Welcome to Digging Deep. Hey, Cody, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, can't thank you enough for uh, giving me the opportunity to be on here and talk to everybody. Man, you've been on a tear all season long. We're, we're stoked to have you, of course. You've been on a on a tear all season long, but Redbud had to take the cake. Uh, just a few races back, you jumped into pro sport for the first time, and this weekend you go out and won one, an absolutely stacked class. Tell me about that, a day you you truly won't soon forget. Uh, yes, sir. Um it all started with just that hole shot. Uh, uh, Nick DeNoble grabbing that first hole shot. It was just, <laughs> it was crazy. I didn't even realize he was actually out there at the time okay. until he ended up grabbing the hole shot, holding up the one. I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> only okay. him. Only him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I was impressed. I was like, oh, I'm about to have a battle with, uh, with uh, Nick DeNoble. And I was, I was pretty excited. Mm-hmm. And I ended up uh, getting past him. I think uh, within like the first lap. And after that, uh, I pretty much just rode a clean race the entire time, uh, waiting for uh, Decker to come up to the pack. But he ended up breaking down that first moto, which uh, was tragic, Mm -hmm. but is what it is. And I ended up finishing first. Uh, Plan wasn't actually to run both motos right away. But after I grabbed that first moto win, uh, we had to run that second one. (laughs) Of course he did. Of course he did. So, um, they're really only like one lap longer than what you're used to, but when you're out in clean air like that in the first moto, like, did it seem like it was super long? Like you're out there waiting for somebody to come up or did it just seem like any other race? Like all these, these moto wins you've had all season? Uh, no, it was pretty much was just like every other race. I was actually really surprised. Uh, for the most part, I expected me to get a lot more tired than I did. Yep. But uh, I think I expected the track to be a lot more beat up that day than it was this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty smooth of a track. And I just went out there and pretty much ripped. Okay. So second motor, tell me about that. Uh, second motor. <laughs> I, I almost had the whole shot <laughs> over blew the turn. Okay. And uh, Kazmarek ended up coming in underneath me. And me and Zach came down that second turn and I ended up, beating him to that second turn and from there i uh expected him to be on my rear bumper for a while which he was and i ended up uh getting a little bit of comfortable gap on him and was able to continue to run my race out front and was just waiting on zach again decker coming up through the pack waiting for him and uh he ended up coming up and getting i don't i don't think he ended up getting Zach Kazmarek on the last lap, but, uh, they were really, really close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably had something to do with that. Cause I kept him behind me for a couple laps there. Uh, probably was holding Zach up a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll touch on, um, what came after that race there and stuff, the podium celebration and everything, uh, like that in a minute here, but you almost had the perfect weekend. Uh, I kind of thought that this was a good time to touch on that. So one, one in pro sport, like you just said, one, one in four fifty eight. you kind of been doing that all season. Then it sounded like you almost had one, one in 16 to 24 too. And then something happened 
happened like late in the race, like you stalled it or the bike or something. So tell me about that. Yeah. So I was running college 16 to 24 on that second moto and came all the way around right at the finish line, <laughs> waiting for the white flag. I see the white flag. I'm coming over it on the outside wide open. And then it just bogs out and just dies on me over the air. So first thing I immediately thought was I got to pull in this clutch before it, it just locks up and I go over. Right. So I pulled in the clutch, landed, pulled off to the side, figured I was done. I figured at least I was going to try and start it and see if it started back up. Yep. And I started to start it and it wasn't going over, wasn't even trying to start. And then I tried it one more time, gave that starter a good push and it started kicking over finally got going and i had i think i got passed by uh van fossen edwards and i think two others so i ended up in it with like fifth at that point okay. and it's last lap there's not much i could do after that so mm -hmm. i tried tracking them down and i only got to fourth that moto you're still pretty good though man so first of all uh those things never start like a quad never starts after hiccups like that so uh, i feel like you dodged a bullet there like it's crazy that that thing started um but you're still sitting pretty good uh 24 moto wins on the season 11 overalls and now doing it in pro sport as well um so you're still doing just fine i think even though that's going to feel like the one that got away it would have been pretty sick to have you know the six moto wins on the weekend or whatever um but what do you credit all your success to this season because like i said you've been on a tear you've been killing it making an a name for yourself obviously um what do you credit all that success to uh just everything my whole season just from the start of uh in the beginning of my winters training down at decker training facility uh, i was down there for a couple months training i hopped around with uh alan myers and uh stanfield and uh linquist and uh kale deal and some other people we all jumped around from track to track and uh, trained all winter awesome and uh then the uh, season started and kicked it off at Texas and I uh, kicked it off with a really good weekend and I was super happy. I had uh, Casey down at my gate. I couldn't have been more happy to have him there with me. Uh, Chris McCauley, just with everything, uh, him being my mechanic and helping me out all the time on and off the track, with the bikes, everything. Uh, Walsh Racecraft, just making me a beautiful bike. This thing just handles so well at every track. Mm -hmm. uh, just can't compare to anything else. Uh, and then Casey, again, with shock suspension and set up everywhere. It's just that every track, he's always got that bike dialed in for 100% at all the time. Oh, you got, you obviously got an awesome group. You can look at the bike. It's obviously, you know, best of the best stuff. Um, there's no doubt about that. Tell me about your, your program then kind of piggybacking off of that. Like your, uh, as far as riding training, stuff like that goes like, I'm assuming you go back to PA after the races. Like, tell me about all that. Uh, yeah, I'm in PA right now. Um, I don't get to ride as much as I'd like to here. Uh, I think my closest track is like an hour and a half, which is like Breezewood. Okay. And they only do really weekend riding. So I get to ride here and there when I want, when I get to, Okay. Uh, other than that, I'm at work. And then when I'm not working, uh, it, it'll, I come back here at home and, uh, I ride the stationary bike at night like an hour and a half, put my work in and get back up the next morning, go to work again. You know what though? I I've always thought this, like you'd almost rather it be that way. And a person always obviously wants to 
wants to ride as much as possible. Like that's obviously been a, a pain that a uh, hurdle that I've always kind of had to being in Wisconsin. But, um, I feel like you'd almost rather have it that way where like you appreciate when you get to ride and make the most of it instead of like, you know, having a track right down the road and taking it for granted. You know what I mean? It's like, you make it count when man, like your, your, your time to ride or whatever, like might be a little more limited. I'd almost like prefer that over the contrary where you take it for granted yes sir cody uh just i think riding for me more is a uh a getaway and like i can kind of get away from everything else and puts me in a different mindset and i can just ride and have fun and be do what i want to do rather than uh walk around the day with uh like a different face on basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just no, I riding allows me to open up I, I totally, totally, totally get that. I'm sure so many listeners uh, totally understand what you're saying too. Um, so you wouldn't know it, but you're only 17 years old, right? So uh, you don't sound like that when, when we hear from you. Um, but the one thing, the reason why that's relevant is I've been wanting to ask you about this for the longest time. Last year, you were riding both the, the 250 and the 450. And the reason why I wanted to ask you about that is because that's not something, you know, we could do 13, 14, 15 years ago when I was coming up. Um, and it was hard for me to even imagine what that would be like to race both the, the amateur and the youth classes at the same time. I think it's an awesome thing, but that was, I mean, that was like no way that was happening back in my day. Um, when you got to make your amateur debut, like that was a huge step. So tell me about that. What was that like to race both the 250 and the 450? I think you were racing like four classes, two on each. Tell me about that. Uh, it was, it was incredible. Uh, I'd go from running battles with JJ Launderville in the 250 class back to back to back. Mm -hmm. Just it would never stop. And right. then I go to 450 class and I'd be battling with guys who are twice my age. <laughs> and it's just crazy. Like to think about the 450 class not having an age cap on it and anybody being able to be in it was kind of a uh it kind of messed with my head a little bit going into the first race okay. and everybody having beards and and mustaches <laughs> and everything had me a little scared right uh, so i was a little nervous and i ended up actually doing pretty well and surprising myself giving myself a little bit more confidence for uh for the 250 class actually sure so that kind of helped me there but still battling with uh launderville still never compete to anything else um, yeah. So I think that I truly think that that rule and how that all works now and, um, how they've kind of, uh, morphed over time into being a little more lax where you can race a 250, you can race a 450 if your, your age or whatever works out just right. I think that's a major reason why you kids are finding success so quickly on the 450s. Now, uh, you know, you're already used to that chassis. You can basically be on the same chassis that you'd be riding between the two classes. You're used to some power. I think it's, I, I truly think it's progressing the sport in a major way. At least that's how I feel. Yes. I definitely feel the exact same way. I think, with uh taking the little kids and throwing them on a uh, full-size chassis with just a smaller engine right away gets them ready for that bigger bike but not as much power not as much weight to the whole thing and uh gets them used to it and i think that's really throwing everybody uh to the wolves a lot 
quicker, but mm-hmm. I think that's what's improving our sport a lot faster. Well, and you tell people like, like I've had plenty of conversations with some of these parents that are, you know, working on getting two fifties for their kids or whatever. It's like, Hey, like whether it be, you know, a TRX with the conversion kit, so you can put a two fifty motor in it or a full blown hybrid either way, like you get them used to that chassis. Now, when they, you know, jump on a 450, like they're already comfortable on the machine. All you're doing is changing the engine. They're going to hit the ground running. It just, uh, it's like a recipe for success for you riders that you can really hit the ground running, whether you're racing the 250 and the 450 at the same time, or going from the 250 to the 450 again, like you guys are set up to succeed in a way that we weren't necessarily 10 plus years ago. I just, it makes so much sense. Oh yeah, no, I totally understand where you're coming from and, and totally agree with you. Uh, it just totally is setting all these kids up for basically it's setting them up for success mm-hmm. and for them to be the best that they can be. I mean, they're getting, I mean, when I ran CVTs and, and stuff, the stuff they're building nowadays, like these Jared Corn mod bikes and the CVT classes <laughs> right. and these insane bikes that I'm seeing. Like, it would be crazy if I had that back whenever I rode. But uh, I think it's just setting these kids up for bigger bikes, and they're just going to be faster. I think kids are going to end up being faster than the bikes that they're going to eventually have. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, in my day, we rode TRX-90s and Etons and Dinleys, and then we got on Blasters. And it feels like that feels like a lifetime ago when we talk about you being like, you know, I can't imagine having this in my day. That's crazy. Um, But Dane, so uh, one of the things I wanted to get in, and as I was prepping to kind of talk to you, um, this crossed my mind that your dad was actually one of the first emails we ever received at digging deep. And I don't know if you know this or not, but, uh, he, he stated that you guys enjoyed the show. And if I ever needed a guest that you'd be honored to join and that kind of stuck with me, I just remember thinking, Oh, that's cool. You know, I knew obviously the Molander name at the time, this would have been two plus years ago. Um, and, and it, and it was kind of cool because, stuck with me like people are listening now obviously we've gotten tons bigger since then but it stuck with me that it was just such a nice message you're a kid that I've been you know cheering for from afar for a while now and a lot of that was because of that and every time I've had an interaction with you or your family um, it's just been like super awesome. You guys have been awesome and and humble and grateful and, um, just awesome people. And, uh, so to bring you on under these circumstances after a huge win, it it just seems like it's meant to be like, that's pretty special. Yeah, it really does. Cody. Uh, I don't know, just from you starting this whole podcast, uh, it's really just, it opened me up and I think it opened a lot of people up to stuff that they didn't realize was going on. And, kind of the history and everything and it's really honestly uh impressive and i enjoy it and my whole family enjoys it and i think a lot of other people enjoy it for me as the host you hope that it gets people excited to go ride excited more about the sport um and 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 then stuff like this like it gives you coverage it gives people like you coverage that uh truly uh, deserve it. Like I remember years and this is, you know, maybe even before rip it up films before some of that stuff, but like something really cool would happen at the races. And then like, you'd be waiting for there to be cool coverage about it and it would never really come. And I hope that we're kind of filling some of those gaps, right? Like, um, you know, we can talk about the awesome race you had or whatever that maybe wouldn't have gotten a ton of coverage anywhere else. And, uh, maybe we'll talk about what happened at the, at the, uh, the podium and some of those things that people, 
unless you were right there, would have never known about if, if we didn't have this opportunity to talk to, to people about it. So uh, glad to fill some of those gaps. So as I was kind of mentioning there, uh, did you go home and have somebody buy you a bottle of champagne to start practicing for the next time you get to celebrate? Because that was a whole big thing at the, at the, the podium celebration there was trying to figure out how to spray this thing. We got all kinds of people, you know, talking about how you're supposed to be doing it and this, that, and the other thing. So pretty, um, it was a pretty awesome moment. It was a pretty, uh, innocent moment, I guess, where, uh, you just found yourself, you won pro sport and I don't even know how to spray the champagne that was pretty cool yeah it was uh it was really funny um I expected you guys to know a little bit more about the whole thing <laughs> but uh I guess uh you guys were just as innocent as I was but uh yeah so the only experience I really had with popping champagne bottles was in the uh, when I was maybe nine, ten, uh, in the pro class, watching them pop champagne and right in the first row, standing there getting ready to get covered and soaked in champagne. Right. Uh, that's about it. Other than that, I've never had an experience myself. Now, uh, afterwards, uh, I had a lot of people come up and talk to me about it and the whole experience. <laughs> and uh, I got talking with uh, Mrs. Decker. And she was talking about having champagne pop in classes down at Decker training facility this winter for, uh, for all the kids. So, uh, they know what's gonna, what they, uh, are to expect to right. do. Yeah. Right. Like, like, uh, don't find yourself in the Dane Molander situation where he doesn't know how to spray it yet. Yeah. That's kind of funny. Hey, that's a good problem to have though. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. At least, uh, I wasn't, I knew immediately what I was doing. At least I didn't open it and chug the entire bottle. Yeah. Or, or you didn't shoot anybody's eye out or, I mean, <laughs> nothing, nothing crazy happened. So, uh, that was a, that was a pretty awesome moment. So, um, as we look forward to Loretta's next, uh, we kind of been asking everybody this question. Do you have a favorite Loretta Lynn's memory? Yeah. So I think my favorite Loretta Lynn's memory is, uh, so two years ago, actually, uh, the last time we were at Loretta's is the first time I ever rode a Walsh hybrid, which was Zach Decker's Okay. first time I ever rode one. And just from there on, I guess, is where I kind of, it a kick started me into, uh, into my, where I'm where, at right now. I was going to say yeah. where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. So I just really think that out of everything really sticks with me. Mm -hmm. And I just think that if, you know, maybe if I didn't hop on a Walsh, maybe I wouldn't be where I am now, sure. but, uh, it just, that really is really stuck with me and something I've really thought about. That's awesome. It is uh, crazy to think back when you're like, you know, um, you start to connect the dots on like where you are and where you came from. And there are some moments like that where, uh, you wouldn't be where you are today without some of those connections. So that's crazy to think about. Um, but man, it was awesome to get you on. Uh, you slayed it this past weekend. You've really been slaying it all year, but it was cool to um, be right there this weekend, share the podium with you and see all that joy firsthand. Like it was almost like, I mean, like you said, like you didn't even know that you were going to race the second moto until you won the first one. So it was almost like shock. So to see some of that uh, again, that joy, that innocence, that, you know, just young enthusiasm or, or however you want to say it to see all that for me firsthand was, was pretty cool. So stoked to get you on, uh, obviously want to congratulate you on an awesome weekend. Congrats to your family and all that stuff. Um, but it was cool to, to discuss all this stuff 
but an awesome weekend. And for the listeners out there, like Dane Molander is a name that people are going to want to know because he's coming. Thank you so much, Cody. Uh, I'm honored for you to have me here. Uh, I would love for you to have me on again and just thank you and uh, everybody have a good day. Man, you keep killing it and we'll keep bringing you on. Congrats again, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll get you on sometime soon. Congrats on an awesome weekend. Keep up the great work and we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you again, Cody. That's pro sport event winner, Dane Molander from Redbud, brought to you by Gripped Gloves. Use discount code DIGGING10 at GRIPTGloves.com today. Congrats again, buddy. See you soon. See you. As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed the client's expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to impactsolutionsatv.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC Series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. 
15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli riding with Factory 43's industry-leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs, from hard parts to riding gear. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the family affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people, and leading that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the Concrete Division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. All right, back here with Casey Greek on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, and we heard from Dane Molander there. He's been on an absolute tear of late, Casey, including 1-1 in pro sport this weekend at Redbud, and you're a big part of Dane's program, Casey. So uh, what do you have to say about this guy's riding lately? He's been absolutely slaying it. 
Yeah, Dane's um, been on another level. And like I was talking to him this weekend, and I said, dude, if your head gets any bigger, you're not going to be able to fit through your trailer door anymore. <laughs> uh, and it's the best thing that could happen for him and for any rider is when you start to gain that confidence and your head grows, you do what you do the things that Dane's doing right now. And I can't say enough about the whole family. Um, they've been great to me. They have really sort of in a nutshell, like here's our kid, like guide them if you want, don't, if you don't, you know, if you don't want to, and, you know, between, you know, the little bit of information I can give them to help him, the information that Chris McCauley gives him to help him, you know, we've kind of taken Dane and he's just blossomed. And, and that's not credit. All the credit doesn't go to, you know, Chris and myself at all. Like it's his entire family. It's Dane. He's putting in the work. He's doing what he needs to do, but it's just, he's firing on all cylinders right now. And he would have had a perfect weekend. Um mm-hmm crazy weird little malfunction on his bike and one of his motos on Sunday and as he was leading he ended up fourth but I believe he ended up wrap, wrapping up that college championship this weekend even with a one four and so it would have been just really cool for him to have six moto wins to get through the weekend and move forward you know going into the next race I think he's he's got to do Loretta's um in the a class to be able to lock up the championship of that and i think the plan is to run pro sport pro am at briarcliff so he can start getting his feet wet with uh zach and bryce and those guys in the pro am class so um but yeah he was just he was a nervous wreck on the starting line for the first moto of pro sport so and i haven't seen him nervous at all even when we put him in pro sport at pleasure valley he didn't seem nervous. He just seemed like same old Dane. He, he sits there kind of quiet before mm-hmm. we talk about a couple of different things. We, you know, I'll tell him some lines I've seen or whatever it is. And we just kind of talk back and forth. And he was just, he seemed different. And I, and I started thinking about it as it's kind of funny because, you know, he's sitting on the starting line, Zach Kazmarek, Nick Noble, Cody Jansen, Zach Decker. I mean, there's so many good guys and I know I'm, I should have pulled up the results so I could have lifted off some more names here that I'm forgetting now, but there's a lot of guys and I forget that we're working with an A-class kid here mm-hmm. that hasn't raced against you guys. He hasn't raced a pro class. You know, just think about it. You, Zach, and Nick DeNoble have all raced pro and done well in pro. And I told him, I said, your biggest threat right now is DeNoble because he's really good at starting. I said, and then you're going to have to really deal with Cody and Zach Kesmerick because they're both going to be right there. And then the obvious there too is Zach Decker, Yep. you know, and something happened to Zach, the first moto. So we never got to see that transpire because I really thought it was going to be a cool battle with like the four or five of you guys up there and really, you know, be intense. And it's all about helping Dane learn um, what that pace is, because obviously the plan for him is to race pro sport and pro-am next year. And so you got to start learning that stuff and getting yourself familiar, you know, and I did just pull up the results there. So you have, you know, yourself, the noble, Zach Decker, Zach Kazmarek, you know, and you got Blair Miller, you know, Joseph Chambers, like these guys are impressive and fast. Chase Seeley, you know, his results in, in pro sport weren't very good, but he turned around and backed it up the next day in pro-am with very good results. So 
Um, Dane showed up on Saturday for that pro sport moto. And that's, I think the only thing you can say is he went out, put himself in position right off the start and he took off mm -hmm. and it, it was nice to see. Yeah. I Very mean, proud uh, of him. Yeah. Great, great rider. Seems like an even better kid. And, and the interactions I've had with her family too, like you've kind of touched on, um, they've been like so respectful, so kind, so just awesome. Uh, and I, and I'll say, I, I will give you a little credit too, because, uh, Mr. Molander said to me, maybe it was, it must've been on Sunday. Yeah. Cause I congratulated them on the day before. And he said, man, I'm just waiting for Casey to get here. Like, like, like you're the key holder, you know? Um, so, so, uh, pretty awesome there, but awesome job by Dane and, and stoked to, to get him on the show to talk about it a little bit. And yeah, I mean, to do, to like, there's been, it's been crazy how some of the races have went, like some of the races, the, the class is kind of scarce and there's not as much talent in it and whatever. Well, like Walnut, uh, specifically stands out to me. This one does too. Like it was as stacked of a pro sport class as maybe we've ever seen, or at least in recent years, um, it was stacked as could be. And for this kid to go out and one, one, this thing against all that talent, it was pretty freaking cool. And then to see, uh, to be on the podium with him. So I saw all like the joy and, uh, and, and stuff firsthand, like that was pretty cool too. You know, people trying to tell him how to, uh, my, my girlfriend, Brooke was trying to talk him through, uh, getting the champagne on uncorked and trying to spray it and all that stuff. I mean, that was cool to me to see all that joy and like just all this, this new feelings or whatever for Dane, um, firsthand, like that was pretty special. I'll post, um, the entire video of that later. Okay. It, it was hilarious. You guys are like, no, no, do this, do this. <laughs> you know, both of you guys have won pro-am and, and done, you know, podium stuff before. Dane's never got to do that. And so mm -hmm. I usually don't video stuff like that. I'll take a couple of pictures when I'm up at the podium. So I have some social media content, but I thought for his parents and for him down the road to be able to reflect back onto the first time he really got to pop a bottle of champagne on the podium in front of a pretty large crowd. I mean, a lot of people came down. A lot of people were sure really did. stoked on yeah. that podium and um so i was like you know i need to get this video and get the whole thing and i had a pretty good angle on it and you could see you and zach kasmeric <laughs> kind of going back and forth like no do it like this and you can see brooks right there and i'm like scared to death i'm like if he gets this thing open there's a chance he's coming over that fence and coming at you know me or someone and right. i've somehow in the 25 plus years that i've been doing this sport I have never got rooked by the champagne bottle. I've always been smart enough to get out of there early. John, and, John uh, never got you. Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Okay. I'm gone by the time that stuff comes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I don't want to be sticky for the rest of the day. So right. I'm like, I'm out of here. So no, just an awesome experience. And, you know, hats off to that entire crew over there too. I mean, they've been nothing but humble and um, continue to stay humble um as dane really blossoms into uh, a fantastic rider mm -hmm. and he he's proving a lot of people wrong you know i tell him all the time like hey we're gonna put you in pro sport i said but you're gonna hurt a lot of villains and you know that kind of just goes into some of the motivation i try to give him but i don't think he's truly hurting anyone's feelings in a sense of in a negative way but there's guys that are like i should be beating him and he just shows up and does it and, um, you know, hats off to both of you guys for being on the podium, you and Zach Kazmarek. Um, that's an impressive class right now. You know, 18 guys strong. And I can read through the entire list. And I'm not, there's not one person on that list. I'm like, who is that? 
Like I know exactly who every single one of those guys are that's in that class right now. And I hope um, Pro-Am gets to be back to that status again. Um, I know, you know, the, the way the rules read out, you know, some of the A-class guys can run it, but if the A-class guy, he can't go to Pro-Am and then some of the guys that may race pro or whatever can't go to pro sports. So it, it plays with it a little bit on the numbers that are in that class right now. But, you know, impressive day for Dane, impressive weekend. And, and the kid's been impressive all year, honestly. I mean, I was – I don't want to say I was nervous coming into the season with him, but, like, last season in the 250 class, he was racing against Jaden Launderville and Kobe and Foss. And, you know, all these kids are fast. But Dane spent a lot of time in, in the winter in Florida and put in so much work. This year, I think they went down there, like, twice. And so I wasn't really sure what we were going to get from him and he kept telling me all winter i just want to race pro sport pro-am i want to race pro sport pro-am i'm like you're coming straight off of 250 you're going to race a class and we're going to go try to do the college class and a class and try to get you a couple championships mm-hmm. and you know i mean there was times where he was like fighting me about it and i'm like no just do it and you know he shut me up real quick especially when we put him in his second pro sport moto our race and he goes out and wins the first one he was second to you know Zach Decker and Zach's obviously very impressive this year mm-hmm. so and it's just all about learning for him right now he's such a sponge I mean the kid is creepy in the mechanics area like I'll go to the mechanics area and he makes eye contact I've worked for a lot of people in this sport and through dirt bikes and stuff and racing in general and he'll literally come through the mechanics area and makes like dead eye on eye contact with me I'm like Wow. Like I've never <laughs> half the time. You don't even know if they read the pit board or anything. I don't even take a pit board because I don't need to, because I can literally mouth what I want them to do. Right. And he goes out and does it. It's pretty funny. So generally impressed by him and, you know, even the size of that class and all of it. So good, good, good weekend for him. And I think um, the ball's rolling in his court right now to go to Loretta's and, you know, hopefully be able to lock up another championship. And I think he would be a good candidate for, like an amateur rider of the year with mm-hmm. how impressive he's been this year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, good stuff. Uh, he deserves all the, all the content, all the coverage. So, um, awesome stuff. There was a, was a really fun weekend there, uh, keeping this thing rolling and pro stock Chad Weenan completed his perfect weekend with another one, one, but Chad even admitted Joel, uh, gave him that one. You kind of referenced it already with the mistake halfway through the final lap there in moto two, just got hung up on a burn for just, I mean, it just seemed like just a moment and that was enough to, to let Chad get by. Um, that had to be, had to be something that left, left a bad taste in Joel's mouth, Casey. Yeah. I haven't even talked to him actually. Cause it was like, they got done with theirs. And I want to say pro-am was coming up pretty quick after that. And so yep. I didn't get to get back over there. And by the time I got back over the truck was gone and he was gone <laughs> and you know, Chad was rolling down the drive driveway too. So Okay. Those guys were out of there. And so I haven't even got to speak with Joel after the second moto. Um, but I think he, I mean, he's, he's a grown up. Like he, he knew he just made a small bobble. And when you're racing on a stock machine, you lose so much momentum when you make a little mistake like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no doubt. Uh, Nick Janusa joined those guys on the podium in pro stock. Congrats to him. Bryce Ford outdueled Zach Decker and pro-am their battle in moto one might've been the best race of the weekend, Casey. Um, 
what that was that was awesome to see i mean the way zach decker actually passed bryce early he led most all of the race bryce got by zach late in the moto for the win um you know bryce ended up taking the the one one victory there but zach gave him a run in moto one and that was really fun to watch it like i said might have been the best race of the weekend yeah for sure i mean you know to get to see those guys you know spot positions and stuff like that is impressive and you know, hats off to Zach Decker. I mean, you're going out there with a guy that's finished multiple podiums. You know, the last race, he was second overall and racing against him and not backing down. Like, he doesn't have Zach mentally beat. Mm -hmm. Zach is, you know, Zach's like, no, I'm going to race you. And that's what he's doing. And Bryce even said it. Bryce is like, man, Zach's fast. Like, he, he put it to me, you know, really – wasn't like he gapped him or anything crazy like that, but I mean, he made a clean pass on him and held him behind him for a long time. One bad line is what ended up costing Zach that first moto. And yeah. um, that, that was it. I mean, other than that, if you know, and I, I don't, I don't know. And I haven't really talked to Zach about it, but I don't know what he was exactly thinking by changing his line there. Cause he had been using the outside the whole time. And it was really good. Bryce used the inside the lap before and lost time. I don't know if Zach didn't realize that. So he went to the inside thinking Bryce was going to set him up and be able to take his line away. And I had talked to Bryce and he's like, dude, I, I swear. I think he just like gave it to me. And that's obviously not what happened. It just, just trying to, you know, learn that racecraft and Zach's young. So you're going to make mistakes like that until, you know, as you go through the ranks and as you mature and learn, the racecraft that I speak about all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. And it's all good. I mean, Zach should have his head held high. He's out there racing with one of the best pros in the country. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you, there's not a lot more you can say about that day. It was impressive. Yeah. I mean, this is going to only benefit Zach going forward. I mean, Zach Decker is getting better from racing Bryce Ford in the pro-am class. Otherwise he'd be out there cruising around by himself um, you know, have the rest of the field. And then we wouldn't really know, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's getting better. He's learning that racecraft. Uh, do we think he goes pro next year, Casey? Zach? Yeah, I think he's definitely scheduled to go pro next year. Okay. Um, okay. For sure. So which is going to open that class back up wide open again, you're going to have Dane in there, yep. uh, Blair Miller, Joseph Chambers, Lance Walker, Aaron Salinas should be back next year and healthy again. Yep. And so it's going to be really good. I mean, Blair, Blair had an impressive day on Sunday. I was really happy with the way he rode. Um, he kind of cracked out of this like funk or shit, like shell he's been in for the last few races. And we've seen him on the podium quite a few times this year, but this one was hard earned and it was out of pure aggression and going out there and riding like he knows how to. So it was cool to see that um, with him and he's in a pretty good battle in points, I want to say with uh, Joseph Chambers and probably Donovan Cox at this point right now, those guys are all probably pretty close together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I asked that question because some of my sources said that, that they didn't think that Decker was going to go pro next year. And, and that just came as a surprise to me. So I uh, wanted to get some feelers on you there, but my sources are saying that they think Allen will be back. And I was kind of wondering on that at this point, uh, which I'm stoked for. I mean, can you imagine the pro class right now and then throwing Allen back in there? I know he's one of the guys that you pull for, um, but, but really excited to see him back 
uh, in there. And like you said, local boy Blair Miller too um, joined those guys on the podium in Pro-Am uh, with third overall. And, and I was stoked to see that as well. So just a um, lot of great racing going on. A lot of, lot of guys that are going to be really fun to watch going forward when we look to 2022 and beyond. Yeah, I think there's there's three points separating Blair and Joseph Chambers right now. Um, and both those guys have been really impressive this year and yes, yep, putting in have. really good results. So, yeah, I think um, I think for Zach, I mean, what's left in Pro-Am, you know, even if Bryson's have beaten them out in this championship, I mean, they're they're only separated by six points right now. So Zach obviously still has a chance at winning the championship. And with the with the speed that he's showing right now, there's a chance that he could beat Bryce. I mean, who knows? That's why we go racing. We don't know what the result's going to be. Right. Um, so those guys are still closing points in Pro-Am. Chambers and Miller are very close in points. So that's a good race for third. And I think both of those guys, you know, really want to fight for that because that's, you know, a sense going to be if they both were to stay um, Pro-Am next year, that's going to, you know, they're looking at that like, well, if I was third this year, you know, against Zach and Bryce, which have been on a different level, mm-hmm. you know, that should make me a shoe in for a championship threat next year. And I think both those guys could be championship threats next year in this class. So um, I would say there's no reason for, for Zach Decker to stay pro-am next year. So I think he's I think, having a similar year to what like Bryce was the year yep. Bryce won the pro-am championship, pretty yep. dominant, yep. Um, you know, doing well. I mean, if you take Bryce, I guess, Bryce has been the dominant one in this class, but um, yeah, I think you take Bryce out of the equation and Zach has pretty close to a perfect record in that class right now. Um, The only person that's actually beat him in that class. Well, I guess he has a ninth and a fifth. So um, I I have to think back and think tank here, but um, anyways, I I think it's a no brainer for him. And I, I don't have an official word, like that's his plan, but I would imagine that's his plan. Yeah. I think it was more coming from a place of um, just knowing how fast he is knowing that he's, I mean, he seems like a guy that's ready to risk it all. I think that it was more coming from a place that everybody just wanted to make sure he was like, going to be able to keep himself in check when, you know, there's guys out there going faster, you know, uh, or, or however you want to say it. So, um, Casey looking at the rest of the classes quickly, um, it's getting to be that time of the year when a win may mean a national championship title clinching, um, opportunity. And that's what it meant for Andrea Berger when she grabbed her fifth win of the season and successfully completed the three-peat in the WMX class. Congrats to Andrea. And I told you so to you and Josh. And man, uh, she grabbed a fourth overall in the B class as well. So Andrea Berger, a certified badass and the fastest woman on four wheels and, and keeping the focus on the ladies um, for uh, another moment. An up-and-coming star in the making is Kinsey Osborne. Uh, people know her from, you know, being part of the Briarcliff crew or dad owning Briarcliff over there. Um, but she clinched back-to-back national championships in the schoolgirl class this weekend as well. Um, congrats to her. We talked about it a bunch on the last episode, but, uh, female, uh, women's girls, uh, however you want to put it, ATV racing just seems like it's in a, in a better place than it's been in recent years. And that's really cool to see. It's been uh, great racing all, all season long. And there's a lot of other names of, of, girls and women who should be touched on here, um, who are really rising to the occasion, the, the female ATV racing, um, you know, kind of landscape is, uh, really in an awesome place. And that's fun to see. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, 
Angela would come back out this week in the Redbud. So that was cool to see her. Yeah. It was. You know, so in that race um, years ago, you know, competitively and was there all the time. And I think she did pretty well. Um, Neve, fourth, you know, Neve and one. Neve and Andrea were so close together. Um, the entire moto. I mean, they were within, I don't think there was ever more than a second between the two of them every lap. And of course I missed the start of both of the races but I did catch, you know, the majority of the laps and, you know, those two, they're just, they're really close. And, you know, Andrea's proven and, and shown that she's here and she's serious and Neve the same way. And she's started putting in, you know, she's putting in a lot of work right now. Neve is. And the one thing that I see with Neve right now and even talking to all of them is she's still young. Like she still has a lot of time in this. And so is Andrea. I mean, Andrea is not, you know, I think she's probably in her early twenties. I don't know how old she is, but they're both pretty young. So they're, they're here. Um, it's, it's cool. I think it's, it's good stuff right now in all these classes and seeing, you know, I've been paying attention um, to Kinsey Osborne and just hearing her name more. And then, you know, I work with the Jackson family. So I've been watching some of Natalie's races and stuff and yeah, that girl is the real deal. I mean, both of those two in the women's side of things, they're, there is some heat coming for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, speaking of the, the Jackson family, Mason Jackson swept the two fifty classes kid is a monster. Uh, Casey, anybody else you want to shout out, um, from the, the weekend at Redbud? There was a lot of great racing, a lot of guys that stood out. Um, I know we touched on some of them here. Is there anybody else you want to want to shout out before we get out of here? Um, I would just say, you know, I'd start keeping an eye on, uh, Lane Barrett. I think he's had a couple like average years this last couple of years. But if there's someone that I've been seeing here in the last couple of races starting to, you know, get back to old form lane was such a dominant youth rider that I think we all expected him to come into the amateur ranks and be just, you know, as dominant and it hasn't really happened. And here lately I've seen him starting to come around. He's kind of calmed down a little bit and he's making some steps in his program to better him for the future and, and be competitive. So I think he's going to be fun to watch here and he really enjoys Loretta as it's close to home. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of family gets to come out and hang out and stuff. So I think he'll be good at Loretta's too. Yeah. That's a guy that I think a lot of people were talking about um, at, at red, but a lot of people were, were kind of taking note of the fact that he looked a little bit more like the old Lane Baird. So that was cool to see a lot of talent there. You touched on Loretta's there. You mentioned it. Loretta's is next, obviously uh, one of the most legendary locations in all of motocross. What's your favorite Loretta Lynn's memory that comes to mind, Casey, right off the top of your head. Um, I mean, it's pretty easy for me. Uh, We locked up a championship there in a very dramatic fashion with John Lane on the ground on the first turn in 2011 so it's definitely um I got chills right now just talking about it that's probably the fondest memory of Loretta's there is one other one but um you'd have to come ask me that in person for me to tell you but this (laughs) that one's more of a personal life one but in in racing it's definitely the 2011 championship lockup with John Italia Okay. Um, that's the 10 year anniversary of that now, uh, which is pretty, pretty cool to remember. I knew that that was going to be the one that you were going to touch on. So a week from now, most of us will be headed down there to Loretta Lynn's. Give us a rider to watch in Tennessee next weekend. Um, I'm going to stay with Lane Barrett on that one. 
Okay. Um, I'd be interested in, I want to see if, um, yeah, if Dane can do it again in pro sport, we're mm-hmm. going to, we're going to run pro sport again with him. And, um, I want to see if he can pull that off and be able to back it up or, you know, I think he's going to be a solid podium guy there for sure mm-hmm. either way, but yeah, I want to see Lane continue to grow. He's a, he's a good kid from a good family. Obviously I don't actually really have anything to do with, um, like his suspension or anything like that in his program right now. But right. I obviously have some pretty heavy ties to the Baird family from years ago of being his mechanic for quite a while. Um, but he's, I, the kid's good. And it's just ironing out the details right now. And I think that's what he's starting to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that we are going to see um, good things from, from both of those guys as we, as we look at the pro class. Uh, I think we've, I mean, we've already mentioned it, but I think Nick Janus is going to be a guy to focus on. There's obviously pressure on uh, both Jeffrey Rastrelli and Bryce Ford to step up when, when, um, you know, kind of it matters most right now. Like the game is on the line. I expect big things out of Brandon Hogue. I mean, Wesley Wolf's been good there over the years. So a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of guys to watch. Uh, but on that note, let's, let's call it a wrap. Casey Redbud was crazy. Um, it might've been as crazy as any of the races so far, just with stuff happening to guys all over the place. Um, and Loretta's is always wild as well. So I don't think that we can expect anything, anything less. Do you? No, for sure. I mean, you just, you can look at the forecast of Loretta's and just basically take it and throw it out the window because you don't know what's going to happen. It can just literally dump buckets of water <laughs> one minute and then three, four minutes later, it's completely back to just being the hottest, most humid place on earth that you've ever been. So, and then you can go there one year. One year we were there and it was like 75 the entire week. Yes, I remember. Like we were, yep. I'm just like, how, what, like, you come out with a hoodie on in the morning. That that doesn't happen there. No, it doesn't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Loretta's. I think um, the way it looks right now, I'm going to have my whole family there. So I'll have all my little ducklings. The wife will be there. I think my sister-in-law is coming down. Nice. Um, so it's going to be really cool to be – I don't know. This might be my little guy's first race, which is really weird because my first child was at a race at four days old. So, but now with school and just so many different things, um, Mike, no, he came to races last year. I'm wrong. He was at some races last year. So yeah, they've all been at the races very early this year. I just, this will be the first race they get to go to just with the way my schedule has been, but I'm really excited about them coming to the race and getting to hang out with them. And now that he's running around and he's going to be a trip down there. So um, looking forward to that. And as always, Loretta's, it's just fun there. Yeah. There's something special about Loretta's obviously, um, can't wait for that one. That's one, the one for me that's been circled on the schedule for a long time, especially not being able to go there last year because of COVID and, and running the pro national there twice and all those things. It, it was missed last year. So it just feels right to go, uh, to go back there. And we can't wait for that. Um, we got to thank Rocky mountain ATVMC, click that banner on our website to get your parts gear, uh, and what have you, and to help us out. And, and thanks to you, Casey, thanks for fitting us in for another review pod. Um, always love these conversations. Like I say, almost every time I'm more excited to go racing or more excited for the races, uh, than ever when I, when I come away from these conversations. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. And, um, I, all weekend I had people telling me how much they enjoy you on the podcast. So we just, uh, really appreciate your time and expertise, knowledge, all those things that you give us here on Big and Beat. Yeah. And again, like always, thanks for having me. 
um, I do enjoy it. It's cool. And I, you know, it, it's cool hearing from people that are listening to the show and like people will make comments. I got tagged in like a, one of the posts that you posted of the results of the weekend. Like, look, Casey was right. Like, that's <laughs> cool. I, at least like we know someone's listening. Right. Yeah. Um, and we're not just wasting our time here, but you know, hats off to you and your brother and everyone for doing this because we haven't had these media outlets for years. I was messaging with a guy that has nothing to do with racing at all. He's, he's actually a guy that helps me out. Like when I'm out of town and I need something done that my wife can't do or whatever. And he didn't even know what I did for a living. Like he didn't know I had any ties to racing. Cause if you come to my house, literally like you don't really know besides I got a few number one plates hanging in my garage and a, and a nice toolbox sitting in there that I don't use. Um, (laughs) I tried not to use at least, um, <laughs> right. but he, he's friends with my brother-in-law and was over talking to my brother-in-law and my brother-in-law explained to him a little bit about what I do. And the guy, I mean, he literally sat and I'd been up for like 30 something hours yesterday straight. And he was texting me and I was like, literally just trying to sit on the couch and relax, but I didn't want to be like that guy. So I was like explaining to him a little bit and, I got to go down memory lane a little bit and send him some pictures because he was bringing up Baja and all this different stuff of, of racing. So I got to go down memory lane and okay, sent, sent him a bunch of pictures and he come over yesterday evening and he's like, I had no idea. And so it's cool. And so the, he was talking about how there is no media outlets and he, you know, you don't get to follow some of this stuff. And so that's what I'm saying in this long drawn out story here is you know thank you guys and thanks for the idea and taking the risk on the sport to be able to support you and follow follow your dream with this stuff and you know dallas the same thing i know um all of us have very busy schedules and so this is always pretty easy for me to fit in yeah it's pretty cool i mean obviously again we appreciate you fitting it in and it's cool i mean we've been embraced enough to the point where you know, these episodes average almost 80,000 listeners, no matter who we have on. So it doesn't matter if I talk to, to Chad and Joel and, and whoever, like we did after Daytona, which has now become our biggest episode ever. And, or, you know, we have an episode with not necessarily the headline guys and the listenership, the listener numbers are almost exactly the same, which is awesome. It's the, the people are tuning in each and every week. 80, uh, 80 countries were being listened to in at this point. And it's just awesome. So, um, you're, you're a, a big part of our growth, Casey, you're a big part of everything we do. And, and I appreciate again, all that you bring to the show. So I just appreciate you always making the time for us. Not a problem, Cody. Thank you guys. Always enjoy having you, Casey. Looking forward to doing it again soon. Looking forward to Loretta's. And uh, yeah, thanks to Impact Solutions, Rocky Mountain ATVMC. Thanks to you, Casey. And uh, we'll see you soon. See you, Cody. Man, Redbud was so sick. Now bring on Loretta's. Major thanks to tonight's guests, Max Linquist, Dane Molander, and Casey Greek. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to Dale Yammer, my man. Thanks to our sponsors, CSD Tires, shop.csdtires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Lunderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads, LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. 
support the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find it all on our website, and be sure to click the Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks shirts and hoodies, back-to-back national champ merch, and more are all available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. You can call our voicemail line anytime, 920-569-3519, and follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy Info, and more as we get into the home stretch of the season here. Reminder that lineups do not roll over for ATV Fantasy, so head over to ATVFantasy.com right now and select your team and lock it in up to one hour before Moto 1 at Loretta Lynn's, so that's 12.30 local time, central time. Thanks so much to everyone who's playing. This has been so much fun, and congrats to our two winners from Michigan, Shane Shimon and Logan Jones. Congrats to those guys. Went on on a limb. Listen to Casey. Went on on a limb and, and picked Max Lindquist, and it paid off in a major way. So congrats to those guys. As for the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our new show merchandise, Fantasy info and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out today. Be a friend, tell a friend, please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Max Linquist, Dane Molander, Casey Greek, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen, thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, 2 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Now let's go racing at Loretta Lynn's. I was born a coal miner's daughter. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen... Quads go that fast. Quad leaders are freaking gnarly.